want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. Suck in the guts, guys. We're the Ghostbusters. I am the one who knocks. My dark passenger. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Don't call me Junior. I certainly hope this little incident hasn't put you off flying, miss. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Hi everyone, welcome to Talking Geek's first episode. I'm Danny. I'm Heidi. And we are a show that's going to be talking about all things geek. Yep, so movies, comics, TV, tech, video games, maybe even books, pretty much anything that's going to be pop culture, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we're a conversational podcast, and the goal is just for me and you to have just... (laughs) Not you, listener. Sorry, you can't join us. Well, I guess you can. You can email. You can write in. Yeah, the goal is for me and Heidi to sit down and have a discussion every other week about all the things that we're into. We're a married couple, and we're both really into a lot of the geek culture. Mm-hmm. We don't always agree on TV shows or video games or comics. Uh, we both uh, live in different universes in the comic world, you could say. So Yeah, I'm, I'm a DC guy. I'm Marvel. So, and never the two cross. No, <laughs> no we, have, we actually do both read some of the same books, which we'll yep. talk about. But yeah. but yeah, we want to talk about movie news and comics and... Just our opinions. Our opinions on on things, and it's going to be all the things that we read, which could be something that's a few months old. We don't. We're not always completely up to date on our comics. We're never usually a little. We're never usually that far behind. But we want to talk about late breaking movie news and movie reviews, and talk about all the things that great TV shows. Pretty much anything well, is going to be, be pop great. culture. It just means we watch it. Just because we watch it doesn't <laughs> we mean it's, it's good. think it's great. Well, mm. not, not even then. I, I don't think everything we watch is great. I, I, <laughs> no, probably I, I not. recognize that everything we watch is And we also right. recognize that there's TV shows that are out there and movies and whatever that are great that we don't watch. So, Although mm-hmm. we're always open to try new things. So typically uh, what we tend to do with seasons is wait until a show has a couple of seasons under its belt before we even tend to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a lot of time to dedicate to watching TV shows, and so you have to be selective on what you do decide to watch. So we usually wait until a show becomes critically acclaimed before we we'll even delve into it. Although all the stuff we're going to be talking about is everything that's up to date, where I don't think we're talking about anything that is not currently airing. No, but they are shows that are multiple seasons in, and we might not have started watching them with season one. Well, yes, I mean, yeah, I mean... We're, we're up to date on the series. It we're up to date on we started watching the series Dexter, for instance. Yeah, we didn't start watching Dexter when it started, but we're up to date now, and when, mm-hmm. when we talk about it later, we'll be talking about it. Current. The, the, the current season. Right. That's, uh, the finale, the season finale is going to air tomorrow. Right. And that is a, brings but, up another good point, is we are a completely spoiler full podcast everything we're talking about we are going to spoil the hell out of Mm-hmm. spoiler 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 <laughs> yeah so you've been warned we'll probably warn you in future episodes too but just know that so that you don't yell at us in future times we're gonna spoil it for you because we want to talk about it we don't yeah. want to have to tiptoe that's around goal. what happens it just could be me and heidi sitting down and having a conversation about these things and it's us talking yep. to you guys about the stuff that we've been reading and watching and 
to to do that is we're gonna have to spoil everything. Right. So. And we we don't get advanced day screenings. We don't. We're not special people in any way. So we're gonna be watching it when mainstream people watch it. Maybe even later than that, depending on our schedules. Yeah. So most so, of you will probably already had a chance to see what's out. We're gonna talk yeah. about the Hobbit, which we had just seen opening day on Friday. And by the time this actually gets up, I'm sure a good deal, a good amount of you will have already seen that. Yeah, they'll have been out for a week, so I'm sure they'll have seen it. If you're mm-hmm. a fan, and if not, well, then you haven't seen it yet, and we're going to spoil it for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, that reminds me, we were talking about uh, how sometimes we don't get to watching shows to leave it on for a while. I think a good example of that is Homeland, which is in season two right now. We haven't started watching that, although I, I am intrigued because it's doing pretty well, and the things that I've heard about it... It sounds like a really great show to watch. Other than it doing well, I don't know anything about it. I know people and critics say that it's doing well, but I don't know anything about the show. I, could, I don't know a thing about the plot. I mean, I see some well, of the... I've, I've the... heard things, but I'm not going to speculate because, like I said, I haven't started watching it. Why, I why can't you speculate? Because I don't want to get it wrong. What does it matter? Just tell me. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> I think it's like terrorist-driven, um, militaristic-type plots. Um, I think it's kind of a play on 24 but maybe a little bit more updated i don't know yeah I, I, i've heard it's it's suspenseful like 24 but of course it doesn't have the same timeline restriction as 24 does which got to be a little ridiculous all i know is that it, it. the ads all the uh promotional material i see for it just has claire danes and i think military yeah attire I've, I've heard or... her performance is phenomenal like uh emmy emmy deserving so yeah yeah, I know you were interested in that, so I'm sure we'll check it out. I'm really not, but we'll, I'm sure we'll check it out anyway. But I've also heard if you enjoy 24, then this would be a show that you would enjoy as well. Who have you heard that from? Friends and critics. Okay, yeah, I haven't heard. I really haven't heard anything about it. So, what critics have you... Well, I mean, everybody's... I mean, I, I've, I've seen it on our on online. Mm-hmm. So, all right, well, let's dive into movies and... We're going to be talking a lot about trailers, because it seems like all the trailers for the summer 2013 movies just came out this week, or mm-hmm. in the case of Star Trek um, Into Darkness, it came uh, the trailer came out, I believe, late last week. Well, but, I, and Iron Man 3 came out about a month ago, actually. It was ahead of the game. Iron, it's, that trailer's been out for even longer than that. Hasn't I thought it was yeah, only I th- a month? It, it's a month or two, at least. I mean, it's been out at least a while. See, but... I'm, behind the, I'm, I'm behind on the times of that one, because so I just watched it today. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about the Man of Steel trailer, Oblivion, the Tom Cruise movie, After Earth, the Will Smith, M. Night Shyamalan movie, as well as Star Trek and Iron Man. So I Superman is my guy. As long as I can remember, I've been into Superman, which is why I'm a DC guy, because... When I started, I was into Superman before I got into comic books, and it was, fr- my earliest memory is, I believe we had Superman the movie on VHS, and I don't even remember my first time watching it, so I've been into Superman for as long as I can remember, so it's been, there's, Superman the movies from 1978 is my favorite movie of all time, and there's, the the, the rest of the Christopher Reeve movies, the other three aren't all that great, and I recognize that. I still love them, but I recognize they're not all that great of films. And then then 2006 saw uh, uh, Superman Returns, and that was... I enjoyed Superman Returns. I know, critically, people don't really like it. They say it pulled too much from the original Superman. And 
That's fine. I me. like it. I like I like I, Brandon Routh a lot in the part. He may have been a little young for the part, but I still liked him in it. I like it in the same way that even a bad Superman comic I like, just because I like the character. But the the movie isn't all that good of a movie. It's there's a lot of there's a lot of problems with that. But Man of Steel has been everything has been looking pretty promising about it, and we got a pretty kick ass trailer this week. What did you think about it? I found it to be really intriguing. I mean, it's definitely darker than any Superman movie we've ever seen before. We've never seen Superman portrayed with a beard, and well, in that the was movies. different in, in movies. movies. In he's... movies, yeah, in, in comics, it's different. But he has just, he's it, had a beard. I can tell that they're doing something different with it, which I think they need to do in order for the movie to be successful. Um, well, the so... the newest movie trailer post movie poster as well with Superman in handcuffs, and the handcuffs is pretty intriguing as well. And at first I wasn't intrigued by it. I was like, oh, that sucks, like Superman in handcuffs. But then someone made the point of he could break out of those handcuffs in a second. Well, yeah, when you think and about he's it, he's choosing not to. Like he's being submissive. He's choosing to do it. Yeah, and, he's and... he's choosing to to show them. You know, okay, fine. Put me through your dog and pony show. You want to take me through? That's fine. I'll go with it. But at the end well, of the day, I can still protect you i don't know if, i mean i nobody knows because we've always seen the movie yet but i don't think he, he has an attitude about it like that like take me through like i think he's well like i think he's respecting human law i didn't and, mean to like have an attitude about about it it was just like to him it's not a big deal well actually it probably, probably is a big deal he's raised as a human but he could break through if he needed to he could but i think he's choosing to respect you know mm-hmm. the, the United States law, and yeah. but that is a it is interesting. Just why is he in those handcuffs? There's been speculation that it's uh, he has he reveals himself to the world, and the world isn't ready, and they take him into custody and do that. But the trailer, I wouldn't be surprised if that's how how that happened or why it's that way. And and it, I think from the trailer they showed like a military scene too with them and him and and Superman and. I think it's really going to be not so much an origin story, but an ascension to power story. Like how he becomes the he he gains the acclaim that he has, how he earns that trust with the American. Well, not really just with the Americans, with the world. A lot of the talk online assumes that it's going to follow a. It's not going to be chronological in its storytelling. A lot of people assume it's going to be like a Batman Begins style movie where the origin is interspersed through mm-hmm. other stories. And that's mostly because of the writer, um, David Goyer wrote both of those and he has a history of doing that type of storytelling. So there probably will be origin, but it'll be probably sprinkled in throughout the story. But I'm really looking forward to this movie. I hope it's so far. Everything has looked very promising. The trailer makes me think that, the the camera work that Zack Snyder has gotten a little bit better in working with the cinematographer and because the shot it does not you watch it and it does not look like a Zack Snyder movie that's Mm-mm. and that's fine a lot of I am not a Zack Snyder hater at all I wasn't a huge fan of Sucker Punch but everything else uh, Watchmen gets dogged on by everybody online now but I I still quite like Watchmen I think stylistically it's really interesting and. But you watch the Man of Steel trailer, and the, the the teaser really had people talking that came out in the summer. It had a lot of shots. People make people were not making fun of it, but talking about it in terms of there's Terrence Malick style shots, like Tree of Life stuff. I you know you haven't watched Tree I haven't of Life. Seen Tree of Life, Tree of Life, but you wouldn't like Tree of Life. But it's very, it looks very artsy, and there's uh, a lot of shots that 
look very artsy in the Man of Steel trailer, and it seems like Zack Snyder is going a little bit different route. Yeah, the music was different, too. It was very epic-sounding well, style. I tra- mean, trailer music's usually like that anyway, but... Trailer music's always like that, and it's never... Not never, but it's it's very rare for it, it's, for it to be the actual mu- music from the movie. Right, but I wouldn't be surprised if the music from the movie had a similar feel to it. Well... Yeah, they try to they they try to convey tone when they mm-hmm. when and keep it stylistically the same, similar. But the the at first people thought it was original music. People nobody could figure out what it what the music was from. Usually people are able to identify. Oh, that's from Gladiator. Or that's Hans Hans Zimmer's theme from whatever movie or or whatever. But nobody could identify it. They thought it was. Uh, original music but it's not it's they it, the the track was identified i don't remember the actual name of the track mm-hmm. but the the score isn't uh original for this for the trailer oh for the trailer yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm i'm really excited for that movie i think june 14th couldn't get here fast enough i cannot <laughs> wait i mean superman fans have to wait so long for movies it's been we were People thought after 2006 when... Hey, at Superman least re- you're getting follow-up movies to your, you know, for Superman. There's other characters out there who don't have follow-up movies, <clears throat> like well, Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my character. Well, that's... There's a new film gestating very, very slowly, but... And I actually, I think... Oh, well, that's, that's up in the air now, because Fox doesn't have the rights anymore. That's true. It might have... They went back to Marvel, and who knows if Daredevil fits into Marvel's grand plan at this point. I mean, you know that they're planning out years and movies in advance... Now that they've seen the great success of of the Avengers and Iron Man, they've got Thor and Captain America, they've got Ant-Man planned, there's been discussions, you know, there's another Hulk, there's been talks about another, not another, but a a Black Widow, Um, I wouldn't be surprised, Winter Soldier, I think that's been rumored. No, that's been confirmed. Well, I guess Winter Winter Soldier... Captain America's movie... Is about Winter Soldier. It's called Captain America, Winter Soldier. I'm talking about another spinoff after that i wouldn't be surprised if that does well mm, i don't so, know i mean it depends I, maybe so i don't know if daredevil really fits into that because he doesn't he's part of the marvel universe but he doesn't really participate in it so we'll see i don't i don't want to pull us off track for the podcast but at least you're getting a movie out so that's all i wanted to say so let's talk about the oblivion trailer the tom cruise sci-fi pick it's, what did you, what did you think about that trailer? Well, you know me. I tend to say that I don't like sci-fi, but then end up enjoying it. So, <laughs> um, I think it has potential to be really good, but I also think it has potential to have a lot of downfalls. I had problems with Prometheus, and I could see myself having similar problems with this if the storyline's not laid out well. But from the trailer, I'm very intrigued. Now, why about... do you think it's... Why are you already because I think... sort of dogging on it? I'm not dogging on it, but... Movies that tend to be that far into the future or have to set up, have have a lot of setup or a lot of exposition for you to understand people's motivations sometimes tend to suffer. You know, if you have to really struggle hard to explain why the world is the way that it is or the situation that your characters are in, then your movie could have some plot holes to it. Now, why do you think that they're going to have to struggle hard based on the trailer? This is the trailer. Let's Before we well, talk too so much, much about there's it. There's so des- much that's happened to Earth. Let's describe what's going on in the trailer. The, the trailer opens up. You learn that Earth has been... I, essentially desolate for 60 years. It was taken yeah, over. Yeah, it was, was, it a, was, it was a, a nuclear fight. bomb. Whatever it was. There's a, But the trailer opens and you see... The Tom Cruise standing in a football stadium that's been that's completely completely wrecked. 
and you can tell this is a future where that has not gone well. And then he seems to be part of a cleanup crew. Him and his partner seem to be part of a cleanup crew. They're supposed to be the only two on Earth, and everybody else has left Earth. And then he's out sort of doing something or, or doing he's some... He's like fixing a droid or something No, but like he's, that. He's, he's doing some kind of um, surveillance or something somewhere, and then he gets caught, and that's when you're introduced to a whole group of humans that seem to be living in secret that at least Tom Cruise didn't know about and led by Morgan Freeman. And then the trailer has a lot of really cool sci-fi imagery that... But there really isn't much story beyond that. But yeah, there's there's flying in some crafts that remind me similar to crafts that you see in, in Star Wars. Um, it there's reminds... fighting, then there, there's a reveal of some some bodies in some kind of a pod kind mm-hmm. of thing, like human bodies mm-hmm. in some kind of a pod. And then there's... there's some kind of mystery with the with the girl with the woman who's in the pod. There's yep. a mystery surrounding her. Yeah, and there's and... a big disagreement between Tom Cruise and his partner, where she essentially tells him, "You're on your own. Mm-hmm. You're breaking protocol, and I'm not going to help you." So I didn't... it sounds like Tom Cruise is on his own. You know, Tom, Tom Cruise becomes this one man show. And what's weird to me is they're calling him the Everyman, the last Everyman on Earth. And I don't know what every what that means by Everyman. I don't, I don't know what that is. Is that well, like a movie I, term or just like I, I think he was nothing like a normal man. I can assume he was nothing nothing special about him. I, I mean, guess so. he's a he seems to be part of a cleanup crew. He's, yeah. he's, he's essentially a future janitor. Is it's what it weird seems to, to me be. that he's wearing a Yankees cap sixty years in the future. Why? Because I, presumably the Yankees don't exist anymore. If there hasn't been a Yankee Yankee baseball for sixty years, he's not a sixty year old man. That's How is he a fan? There is there's a couple of shots in the trailer showing him. It seems to be a flashback of him before the world, before everything went to shit. Yeah, so there's some weird timing going on here too. Well, we 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 don't know what's we don't going know on. If he's but been put in stasis or what it is. I think but... the movie. I the movie wasn't really on my radar. I was aware of it and knew about it, but I didn't. It wasn't really on my radar. And then last week, a the poster for the movie came out and it showed a ravaged, uh, some a ravaged skyline and the. The buildings have have all kind of been overgrown with trees, and they all mm-hmm. they almost look they almost look like mountains that have been that, but they're buildings as well. And it's it's a pretty cool trailer or a pretty cool poster. And then that put the movie on my radar. And then the trailer came out. I was surprised it came out very quickly after the poster, just a few days. And yeah, I, what I like a lot about the trailer, I think this movie. The the art design, the 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 look of the movie, the look of the world from what we've seen from the trailer looks. Reminds really me, of, good, it reminds I think. me of Wally a little bit. I mean, clearly a lot better. It's it's well, realistic. The, it's it's live action as opposed to C, CG. You know? All those po- all the ships and everything have the white sort of apple look. The way that they gave the way that Eve and everything and Wally you had the white right. iPod look. That yeah, and just even the desolation of Earth reminds me of Wally mm-hmm. a little bit too, mm-hmm. but, but a lot more despair and actually realistic compared to Wally, but but i'm excited as hell for that movie i think it looks really good uh, from the trailer i mean certain things that can disappoint they can have really good trailers but this one's right on my radar it's directed by joseph kaczynski i believe the director of tron legacy which was only an okay movie it was it was visually beautiful mm-hmm. but i don't think the movie was all that good, and that was reflected in the box office. It didn't do all that yeah, great. Although I, there's just, we're not going to really talk about it, but just this week there was talk of um, there's the movement on Tron Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I, I have reserved enthusiasm for this movie. I think it looks good. 
from the trailer, and I, I could predict that that's going to be carried on throughout the rest of the movie. Similarly, like, like what you just said about Tron Legacy, I'm sure the movie's going to look great. I just don't know if the plot and everything's going to be there for me. We'll see. I'm not going to go into the movie dogging on it already. I'll go into the movie open-minded. I do that with every movie. But I'm at this point, I'm not sure if it's going to be something that I'll enjoy as much as you do. There hasn't... Like Prometheus. There hasn't... Yeah. See, I feel like you're relating it back to movie... Like, you had a bad experience with Prometheus, which, by the way, I thought was excellent. I had problems I, no, as well. No, this has nothing to do with Prometheus. It has everything to do with, I'm not sure about the plot of the movie. I'm just, I'm not sure if it's You shouldn't be know what the plot of the movie is by a trailer, though. You shouldn't. No, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not sure if I'm going to enjoy this. Just let me, that's my opinion. No, I know. I'm just saying, it's, I, I I'm mean, skeptical. I guess what I have to get is that I don't even think we learned enough about the plot to be skeptical, to to. I don't think I could be skeptical about the plot because we don't we 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 didn't learn enough That's about the fine. plot. That's fine. You are looking forward to the movie more than I am. We'll leave it at that. So we'll go ahead and move on from there. What other trailers do you want to talk about? I don't know. What would you like to talk about? Um, we can talk about After Earth. We're spending a lot of time on trailers, and I know we've got other uh, TV and comic news we want to get to also. So maybe we'll be a little bit more brief. Yeah, the After Earth trailer. I thought was surprisingly good. I did not think that that I've been really sour on M Night Shyamalan for a while now. I don't. The last movie that I have his that I really liked was Signs. I don't. I didn't see Lady in the Water because by that point I would. I just. I did see Lady in the Water, but it was quite a while ago, and I I enjoyed it, but it was. I think it was your classic kind of pop out scary. And, and I didn't like the village either. So I enjoyed the village too. So there was the village, and then but the village just didn't have rewatchability for me. It was a one-time deal. And then I well, did. I'm not Shyamalan do Cloverfield. No, <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. No, that was uh uh Matt Reeves, I believe. Okay. Matt Matt Re- Matt Reeves, yeah, he's sort of a protege, or he works a lot with J.J. Abrams, and J.J. Oh, okay. Abrams produced uh Cloverfield. Gotcha. But. Yeah, I I am definitely intrigued by After Earth. To me, it's more of a survivalist story, and I'm intrigued about the um, the whole plot with respect to fear and handling fear and how that's talked about in the trailer. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by the fact that they're coming back to Earth, and so now they have to, rather than humans ruling the animal kingdom, it's kind of the opposite, where the animal kingdom rules the Earth and the humans are the ones who have to survive. The predator-prey food chain seems to be of you know turned upside down in this case and that intrigues me a lot so the thing i'm I'm looking forward to that movie. the thing that i'm a little nervous about is the whole movie scene uh, appears to rest on will smith's son's character um in the movie jane smith is will smith's son and from the trailer it seems like they were in a pod together will smith and his son in the movie who's played by his son and they crash and he's the whole trailer you see the sun wandering through the planet, wandering on the planet. Oh, well, there's voiceover from Will Smith going through about not being scared and to basically become a man. And, and it's not just him alone. I mean, there's scenes with the two of them together as well. I think the only scenes with them are in the pod together, except I think they're on the ship and then they crash. And then I think the other scenes are. I could. I thought be... there was a flying scene as well. I could be wrong. In the ship, right? No, at like they're like hang gliding or something with, with their suits. I thought I saw two people. Yeah, that could around. be the case. I, but I thought, but I could be wrong. I'd have to, I'd have to go back and watch it again. But I thought I saw a couple of scenes with both of them in it. The the only thing I 
the only thing reason that I'm I, I I just haven't seen anything with Jaden Smith in it. I didn't I haven't seen the new Karate Kid. I'm too much of a fan of the the original Karate Kid. Although his I've heard his performance was really acclaimed in that movie. We well, I, I don't know if it was acclaimed. It, either, it was. I think people it, it wasn't it bad, well but I don't know if it was acclaimed. You know, mm-hmm. or, like I don't think that. I would hope that Will Smith is. You know, Will Smith is a great actor, and I'd hope that with him being on set, he could guide and coach his son in addition to, you know, the director and all the other people that are on site. I would hope that his son's able to pick up from his father and and maybe not step in his shoes all the way, but at least put up a performance that's a good performance. I, I don't think Will Smith would allow his son to perform or allow a movie to come out that was not well made. I mean, Will, Will Smith does good movies, and well, I don't feel like he'd put his son in a position to He usually to does. Wild Wild West. I mean, that's been a while in, ago. In but... recent times. Well, he's been a, he took a huge break. With the exception of Men in Black, he took, I think, a six-year break from movies. So he really hasn't had, I think, Seven Pounds. Was it, Seven Pounds came out in... It wasn't a six-year break. I, I think it was Seven Pounds, I believe, came out in 2007. Maybe it was eight. But then he then he just had Men in Black three come out this year, so it was at least a four year break that he took. So he had, he hadn't even he was gone for a while, and then he was producing. Something he, wrong with that? Well, when it, when it comes to movie stars, when I feel like a lot of times, if you're gone for a while, you, except for mega stars, there's and Will Smith falls into that mega star category. But there's certain stars you gotta you gotta hit it while it's hot. Well, now Will Smith doesn't have to worry about that problem. He's he could take a you know you can take that four or five year break and people are his his name alone will still be a draw well you have to have the critical acclaim and the the fame to be able to take a break and come back and be able exactly to i don't a lot of actors don't have that luxury they need to plus a lot of actors are working actors as well but i don't think they have the luxury to mm-hmm. to, to take that kind of a break but the movie looks the movie looks pretty promising as well and then the star trek trailer that well, the Star Trek teaser. It's it's really is just a teaser, but that came out and that looks just as it looks really good. It looked good. A lot but, of action to it. I mean, you don't really get a sense of plot other than there's there's a lot of shit going down. I guess not much to say. talk about. You can yeah. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's character. He's Benedict Cumberbatch plays the villain, which everyone seems to be up on Benedict Cumberbatch. We haven't watched anything with him. I know that he is. He's in the Hobbit. <laughs> No, no, a better Cumberbatch is not. He is in the Hobbit. What character? I don't remember, but I saw his name in the credits. He's definitely in the Hobbit. He's not. There's no way. Benedict Cumberbatch is in the Hobbit. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. No way. Yes way. He's not. Well, we just went and saw it, and he was not in it. He was in the credits. He plays somebody. Mm-mm. We'll bet on this one. Well, we can look it up. He plays the necromancer. You don't ever actually even see him, do you? It's just his... So you saw his name in the credits, I guess, but you don't ever actually even see that person's character. Well, I guess like he probably plays the. So that almost doesn't count. So y- you and, were you were right, and but it says he's Smog slash the Necromancer in the next one, so he must do the voice for it. Does it say he's in there and back or an unexpected journey, which is this one? Because there's three movies, he could be in the he's other. In there and back again. So he's not in an unexpected journey. He was in the credits for it, though. Because I saw him, that's how I saw it. Like, so they still credit him in, in an unexpected journey. But he was not in it. It's not listed here. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is. He's listed in an unexpected journey too. I don't even think that you see his face. 
Well, he's got he's got makeup and stuff on, but no, he's he's he isn't he just like a silhouetted figure? You don't actually even see the necromancer. I thought. I think they do show it like in a in a in a flashback or something. So well, he is in it. I won that one. You were right. I told you. And they're showing the a nine minute prologue with the Hobbit. If you go, if you see it in IMAX, it's the same way that you saw Dark Knight Rises uh, prologue in front of Mission Impossible. But the Star Trek trailer looks really good. There isn't much to talk about. There isn't really any story. And uh, you see, see a lot of action. Looks see like a lot Starfleet. Of action. It being looks awesome. Blown up the, the portions of it. You see Benedict Cumberbatch who is playing the villain. And his name has been released. There was a lot of speculation that it's, it was Khan or it was um, Gary Mitchell. And it's neither of those. Or at least it's been... There's They're putting off fans by saying... Putting him off the track by saying that his name is John Harrison. Now that could be... So clearly it's not either Khan or or um, Gary Mitchell. But that could be putting leading people off the track. People still are the Khan... The con controversy is not going to go away. I think until this movie is released, we're going to hear about that. But, and I don't even, Benedict Cumberbatch seems to be the, like, everybody talks about him. He's the, but I haven't even seen him on anything. I know he plays the lead character, Sherlock Holmes, in the BBC home, or um, Sherlock, and mm-hmm. people seem to love him in that. And I know that you saw his name in the credits for The Hobbit. He's credited but as we, the necromancer in The Hobbit. But we went and saw The Hobbit, and I don't, I think it's just you don't even see him, so I don't even know why they credited him because this he plays a necromancer, but it's just a silhouette character. It could be anybody. I don't know why they. Hey, if you play the part, you deserve the credit for well, it. Well, yeah, I, what I'm saying is, I bet he cost. You could have had uh, nobody do that, but they actually got a somebody, and they had to pay him. And although he could have a, I mean, there a, could be more to it. That yeah, a larger part, more backstory, the, a the, larger part in the next two movies because the Hobbit has quite a bit of backstory in it. Because truthfully, the, the necromancer. I don't even remember what that had to do with the movie. And the, I mean, that tells you how much I actually enjoyed The Hobbit. But the necro, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch plays the necromancer, and we had to look that up to verify that it was him. That was a nothing part, an absolute nothing part. There's quite a bit going on in that movie that didn't need to be there. And, tons, and, I, and tons, there's but... that that portion of the plot, which I'm, I'm assuming, and I've just kind of written off in my brain, is part of it. So. Well, we can. Talk about that. Let's talk about The Hobbit. We just saw The Hobbit on Friday, opening day, and we were pretty excited about it. We were rereading The Hobbit to get in preparation for it. I actually didn't finish it. I only got about halfway through the book. I didn't finish it either, but far enough, we're, we were both far enough along that we'd read past the portion where the book, where the movie cuts off and, and saves for the next movie. Yeah, but... And then we had we had watched we had bought the Lord of the Rings Blu-ray box set, so we watched those preparing for it. And then we went and saw the movie, and it just was a pretty big letdown for me. I think as a couple of days have passed since we've seen it, I like it even less. It's like I don't even know if I want to go see the other two in the theater. Yeah, I, I definitely want to watch them. I'm kind of at the same place, especially if they're as long, if not longer, because I I think this movie had a lot of backstory for lord of the rings that was unnecessary for yeah the story of the hobbit they're trying to pad it and try to make the movie and the plot bigger than it is and was in the book they're trying to tie a lot of things into the like like you were saying into the lord of the rings right and i mean to me it almost seems to me like they're trying to make this a true lord of the rings seek prequel 
um, and the Hobbit story just kind of is, is folded in. I mean, don't get me wrong, the Hobbit story is the majority of the movie, but there's so many other pieces of plot that are interwoven into the Hobbit story that I think it really detracts from Bilbo's story. And, and to me, the Hobbit is the story of Bilbo. It's not exactly. the story of Middle-earth. And the CGI, I thought the CGI was atrocious in this movie. I thought it was really, really bad. I wouldn't put it at atrocious, but I'd put it as not great. I wouldn't put it at the level that I expected and the quality that I expected I, out of Peter. Yeah, Jackson, I think it but... was I think it was horrible. I think the Gollum the portion of the movie where Gollum's in it where Bilbo meets him and they have their riddle in the dark game. Gollum was done really well. It phenomenal. He was I can't take credit away from that. He looked I agree. He was probably, he was pretty close to photorealistic, I think. I agree. And I think you know what Bilbo CG... himself was played very well. Yeah, the um, Martin Freeman, mm-hmm. who is also a British actor, he played uh, Bilbo Baggins. And I think he did a great job. Me too. Uh, I think he did a fantastic job. So there are things that I liked about the movie, but it was really a big disappointment. I did not like the And I like the characterization of Gandalf as well, but beyond that, there wasn't a lot to I didn't like the art design for the dwarves. I think that they took it over the top. I mean, if you watch Lord of the Rings, Gimli looks the way I would think a dwarf would look. And I'm not saying that the the dwarves need to look the way that I think they should look, but they went over the top and made them... They're comical. Yeah, they're very comical in the way that they, they have their facial hair and they have crazy hats that go that are it's their their hair's all over the place yeah yeah and, and their beards philly just... one of the one of them was wearing like that crazy hat that had the like stuck way out to the sides yeah but i thought and i there was a there's a sequence in the movie where they encounter some um, some rock giants i actually thought that sequence was pretty cool and i didn't like it although like you said it was lame that of course the band of travelers they they all they had to end up on the the rock giants yeah, while they couldn't the rock be on the portion of the mountain that was actually mountain they had to be on the portion that was rock giants and the rock giants happened to be moving. but i thought it was just too much i thought the way it was it was i thought that sequence was pretty cool ignoring Ignoring the hobbits, only the what was going on yeah. with the giants. They're having their. I thought their fight was actually done pretty well in the rain, and I thought that CGI was pretty good. I think. See, I didn't like that that much, but what I did like was the the battle in the goblins' castle where they're trying to escape and they're running throughout the tunnels and the passageways. Oh, I didn't like that either. I liked how it was choreographed. It, it reminded me a lot of Pirates of the Caribbean, where. It's like hurry up, jump on this bridge, kill yeah. these foes. Then, it was, it was, then cut the rope so the bridge flies backward. Like it was, it was choreographed really well in an interesting and kind of whimsical way that I did enjoy. Because I mean, that's the one thing the Hobbit needs to maintain is its whimsy more so than the Lord of the Rings. I'll agree it's, with. It's, it's not the epic tale of the Lord of the Rings. And I'll so agree may, with that. Maybe but, that's why they made the dwarves a little bit more comical. But I didn't like the look of the dwarves either. I'll agree that that sequence, the what was actually going on in that sequence was fun and enjoyable but the entire sequence was almost entirely cgi i yeah the actors were placed in there and it because i thought the cgi looked horrible that sequence just completely fell apart i couldn't enjoy it because it looked so bad yeah i just i wasn't a fan of the design of the goblin king either he was too fat the waddle on his neck was ridiculous like but they're it was just overdone. He wasn't. He stopped being menacing and he started being comical. Yeah. Again, but but they're trying to. I did like the voice actor. Be, Whoever did the voice actor for the Goblin King, I liked. Yeah, I, I think they they didn't balance the comical side of it with the epic 
nature of it. I I think that sometimes there's too much of one and not enough of the other, or you and, know, like the comedy wasn't well balanced by the the epicness of it because it would it, the mood would swing like you'd have this comedic kind of scene then all of a sudden it would swing to this really really dark scene and they just didn't mesh well yeah i i agree with that and they also had a side plot that could have been entirely cut out in my opinion i mean maybe it'll pay off in future movies but the wizard radagast is featured a decent amount not a decent amount but he's there's a whole side plot. There's a whole him. side plot with his character and, and that, and that's that is not in the, the book. The side plot of just the Middle Earth turning dark in general. And he, I don't, I did not like his character at all. And they play him as for some comedy. I I actually saw a headline that I didn't read because I didn't want to spoil anything about the movie. But I, I saw a couple of weeks ago that read it like. Uh, like relating uh, and comparing Radagast to the Jar Jar of. Oh, of yeah, I the Hobbit, see that. and he has this. He is very in tune with animals in the movie, and he has a bird's nest that he keeps under his hat. But apparently, he doesn't let him out to go poop because he had he just has this crusty bird poop that's on his face. Like the whole dripping down his face, and it's disgusting. That could have been entirely cut out. But again, getting back to what I thought were bad CGI, there wasn't just bad C- CGI, but there's a scene when they're being chased by the a group of orcs and Radagast is on this sled that he has that's pulled by rabbits, which is incredibly stupid, I think. But the compositing looked horrible. It wasn't like the CGI was bad, but also just the compositing in that scene. The it looked like he was in front of a horrible green screen. I thought I that sequence was really bad. And the sequence I had a problem with was smog. Um, when you had the the point of view of Smog at the beginning, when he was uh, terrorizing the city of Dale, and he was going through and flying through Dale after he'd already been through the um, underneath the mountain, and it was basically first person first person point of view perspective from Smog as he was flying around and shooting fire at things and killing people, and I thought it was actually kind of dizzying the way it was shot and I didn't the way you were playing around. I did not like it at all. I didn't have too much of a problem. I just didn't really like that sequence just because I just don't like the way that they've portrayed the dwarves in general, and that scene was, I don't know, I just I wasn't that big of a fan of that scene either, but not because of the, I didn't think it was really dizzying, but I just wasn't too big of a fan. And it's it's disappointing. I was really looking forward to it, and I'm actually way more down on it than even I was Mm-hmm. After we saw the movie, it's because, you know, sometimes after you see a movie and you have some time to reflect on it and, you know, you might warm up to it and be like, that wasn't as bad as I thought. Or you can do what I've done and go like, I'm not even looking forward to seeing them in the theater now. I can like, we'll probably will end up seeing them in the theater because they're kind of they're they're definitely a zeitgeist thing that you need to be mm-hmm. or not. You don't need to be, but we always like to be in on the discussions about, you know, and being yep. able to talk about it. And yep. that and I mean, it's just. The story of it is so epic that seeing it on a larger screen rather than mm. at home, it helps, I could pass. I, I could pass on that. It's just I. I think that what we saw should have been an extended cut. What you bought at home as the special extra features, not what was shown in the theater. I, I think the general population who is fans of The Hobbit or wanted to see The Hobbit story, I don't think they're gonna care it about in, all that. Extra I know it raked in a ton of money. I saw today well, of that it, it did. 138 million, which I think. Is a is a weekend? No, it's not the weekend record. It's it's re, that's really good numbers though. Yeah, those are great numbers. And but I'm not surprised by that. 
I mean, and it also follow has... Follow up to Lord of the Rings. There's a lot of... There's a huge exactly. fan base And it. it has... Well, I mean, it was a huge movie. I mean, we were excited about it. We had to, we, we yeah. saw it on opening day. And it also is in 3D, and so it has the up 3D prices, and it's in IMAX. And... Right. But I, I just don't think that that's the film that the general population needed to see. We were going to see... It was our intention to actually go see the movie twice. Once, we saw it in our at our local theater, and we wanted to see it in tw- just normal 24 frames a second. We didn't want to be concerned with the technical aspects of the film because that's what I've heard is that the first time you watch the movie, if, if if you're watching it in 48 frames, the first time you're very, you're pulled out and you're, you spend a lot of time contemplating the technical aspect of the film. I didn't want to do that. So it was our intention to go a second time, see it one time in 24, just to enjoy the movie and enjoy it. And then go a second time to experience the 48 frames because you hear a lot of, critics talking about it but I, I and i'd like to have my own opinion but i'm not paying for that movie again i'm not gonna go see that movie again i'm not gonna dedicate the time to it well it's not the yeah yeah i mean it's three hours yeah but if it was good i would go see i would first... right but it's not it's not yeah. worth the three hours so right. those are our thoughts on the hobbit which are are getting bleaker by the day <laughs> yeah and then i think the last thing i want to talk about for movies was the Dark Knight. We got The Dark Knight on Blu-ray. It came out a couple weeks ago, and we got that on Blu-ray and watched it at home. And there isn't much to talk about. It's been out for a while, but I just got to say that it's a phenomenal Blu-ray. It's the sound, the the Hans Zimmer score. Man, that movie's so good. I could. I still think we've talked about that. The Dark Knight is probably the better made. I think it has the more cohesive and tight story. But in terms. I almost go back and forth on which movie I like better. I mean, I recognize... My preference is The Dark Knight. I recognize that The Dark Knight is the better made film, but The Dark Knight Rises has, I think... I think emotionally The Dark Knight Rises moves me a little bit more, and I I bring it back to the score. It's so epic. The score, Hans Zimmer did so well. I know the first two movies have great scores as well. I think the Joker theme in Dark Knight just has these disturbing... I think it's violins. It's it's a great theme, but The Dark Knight Rises, Hans Zimmer just took it to the next level, like the and, there's, and there's war drums throughout so the whole great. movie. And mm-hmm. it might have been, and I don't know how how much of it was due to um, John Newton Howard, I believe. Oh, now I'm kicking myself for not remembering his name, but the first two movies, Hans Zimmer worked with a, he had a partner. He didn't do the movies by himself. He was working with John... John Newton. I should know this. I'm the score guy, but he had and but he bowed out from Dark Knight Rises. He said because Hans Zimmer worked so was worked by himself with Christopher Nolan on Inception, and he said that um, Howard said that Zimmer has worked ex- in, enough with Christopher Nolan exclusively that he felt like he would be a third wheel on the on mm-hmm. the Dark Knight Rises. So Hans Zimmer did the score by himself. Well, it and might he not just be that. I mean, that, I mean, yes, that is it, what it, he's been quoted as saying that. I mean, well, yeah, he might have I, that personal. might not be why it's it's so percussive. I mean, I, I it's don't not know. just a percussion that it's not just why a percussion. It has a different feel. I th- I mean, what I just I mean, know it's also reflecting like Bane, who's a much stronger. Oh yeah, you know he's he's a different type of villain. He's a physical villain versus. Uh, the Joker is a mental villain. But I have to, I mean, he, Hans Zimmer only did one of the Dark Knight movies by himself, but it's the best one. And so I can only imagine that 
it, it would have been, I mean, when you're working with a partner, it's going, the score There's is going to be different. compromises that mm-hmm. people make, but it could be better. I mean, I don't know. Working with a partner, I wouldn't say is necessarily a hindrance. It could be well, that's better because you're that's working true. with a partner. So All I, know- I, I don't think it's, it's fair to say that number three is different. And part of the reason is because he was working alone, but I don't think it's fair to say it's better because he was working alone. Well, no, no, no. I can't, you, you can't make that inference, but what you can say is, or at least what he I worked alone and what it's I can different. say is. It's he he worked alone and it's better, and then that's all. I mean, there's you can speculate all day why that is, but mm-hmm. well, yeah, and again, it, it's closely tied to the movie, so that's a part of it too. So I guess now we can move on to some TV talk. Yeah, I think really the big TV that we want to talk about right now is Dexter. Yeah. Holy cow. Dexter. And remember, spoilers for everything. So if you haven't watched Dexter this latest season, season seven, and if you haven't watched all the way up into the finale, you'll want to turn it off because we watched the finale and holy shit. Yep. So, so a little recap of the season. Um, this season finds Dexter becoming first intrigued by a, a female who's known to be... Well, no, 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 no. Back up, back up. Oh. What was the very last thing that happened at the end of last season? That was like the cliffhanger that led into this season. That everybody, if if you, it was like their whole marketing campaign. If you haven't seen it, then well, Deb finds out Dexter's a killer. He yeah, you say it so nonchalantly. That was like the that it's was huge. That was yeah, huge. That's huge. So that that was big for this season because then we had to deal with well, is she going to turn him in? Isn't she? Is she going to go along with it? And it was pretty obvious early on that she loves Dexter too much to turn him in. She loves him. No, <laughs> that was the him. that was the stupidest random side plot. I didn't like that side plot. No, no, and they they brought it up again this season. A little bit later, they tried to address it. They couldn't ignore it. About halfway through the season, it came up again. I was kind of hoping that it was gonna just be a dead end that the writers were never gonna address that again. But they brought it up, and it actually ended up working. But okay, so now you can probably go ahead and start the recap you okay. were going to do but we just had to get that because that was like yeah. Deb finding out was the huge thing so Dexter gets introduced to this character Hannah McKay who went on a killing spree with a man when she was 15 and she ended up being I think she was exonerated of all those charges well she was no she was a juvenile so yeah so she just served some served juvie time, juvie time yeah. she needed to do and now she's living an adult life she's I find her to be pretty attractive She's a gardener, so they don't dress her attractively, per se. I mean, she's always in, like, work boots and yeah. sloppy, yeah, sloppy shorts hot. and, and she shir- was... shirts. But she's pretty pretty attractive. She was... I, I know she was on the TV show Chuck. We never watched it, but um, she was on... She was, like, the blonde who was always in the marketing for the that NBC show mm-hmm. Chuck. So. so, it starts off with Dexter... I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I think it kind of leads to where the rest of the story goes. Yeah, I want to. Dexter's I, I investigating talking about the finale. So. Dexter's investigating an old murder that she did, and well, it turns out she did the murder, but they had originally blamed it on the guy that she was with, saying that he did all the killings and that she was just there with him. Dexter finds pretty solid evidence that she actually did this murder, which would have been one of her first, if not her first, murder. But he covers it up. And she knows that he covers it up. And so that starts this little intriguing relationship between the two. And, and eventually it leads to Dexter developing feelings for her. And I think it's just because of her personality and they've got so much in common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he now has concrete evidence that she's a killer. Mm-hmm. And that leads us down the road of a pretty cool episode in the season where Dexter actually takes her to this like winter wonderland place 
on the guise of having a date. It's a, it's a place she'd always wanted, always wanted to go to, kind of like a childhood thing. And he lures her into this, like almost like an indoor snow globe type place, and uh, goes to kill her. And she wakes up from her her drug that drug that whatever it is that he uses to to knock people out with veterinary uh, veterinary anesthetic, and sees him. And rather than being scared like almost everybody else that he kills, she looks him in the eye and says, "Do what you got to do." Yeah. And then yeah. they just screw. Yeah, it's pretty hot. It's 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 pretty hot. And yeah. then they also the. A big running theme that actually ended sooner than I thought it ended in, like, episode 9 was the whole um, plot with the Kafka Brotherhood the with Isaac. And yeah. that stemmed from, in the very this season opener, the Mike Anderson, the replacement detective that they introduced last season who barely had anything to do. And then he gets killed off at the beginning of this season. The same pro writers probably just didn't know what they were going to do with him because yeah. they never did anything with him. No, and they never then, did. But his death kind of led to a lot of stuff that happened with that. He just stumbled upon a, a scene and then ended up getting killed by right. this who ends up being a member of the, I don't know. Kashka Brotherhood. Yeah, they're they're a drug ring that's some, it's located in Europe. Yeah, some Yugoslavian or some kind of um, European drug ring that's right. that's located in Florida and that ends up being the leader of their of of that mafia group comes to Florida his name's Isaac and that starts off a whole side plot where he's trying to hunt down who killed well actually I don't think anything I mentioned that so yeah so Mike Anderson Mike Anderson gets killed Mike Anderson Dexter gets figures killed. out yes. who it is Dexter, Dexter kills him Dexter kills that guy turns out that guy is the lover of the leader of the Kashka brotherhood yeah. nobody so, knows that it's his lover but it it starts a whole revenge side plot where you... the leader of the Kashka Brotherhood wants revenge on Dexter no matter what, even if it costs him his own life and his own uh, position within the Kashka Brotherhood itself. So I, I I like this guy as a foe, but this season I has liked been him set a lot. up differently from other seasons. Because... Yeah, I liked the, um, the at first I didn't really like the plot. I thought it was kind of dumb, but as it, the further it got along and the more you get to know Isaac, it actually ended up being a mm-hmm. pretty good plot. And then it I thought it culminated and and it, you know it goes through the ringer for a number of episodes and isaac and dexter are playing a cat and mouse game yeah and, and i think it was kind of a more complex cat and mouse game because yeah. they each have different motivations for using one another and they ended up the, the second the spoiler isaac ends up the whole di- thing is a spoiler. yeah isaac ends up dying uh and i think i think episode nine after some events they ended up dexter and him end up working together surprisingly but before that, episode eight had what I thought was one of the best scenes of the season, which was Dexter and Isaac sitting in the bar having their conversation in a gay bar. It's when yep. the audience, or at least I, figured that him and Victor, the the gang member who was killed, that, that Dexter killed, that spurred Isaac coming after him. I assumed him and Isaac were lovers because they had that scene when they were showing him in the pit in the photograph. Mm-hmm. But you didn't think, you weren't quite sure. But I always I, thought I it thought was. I thought they were, so but that they was, never mentioned that was kinda like, it until oh, then. That was kind of like the reveal, but it was obvious. But Dexter follows them to a bar, and then they just end up having a, a pretty awesome conversation. Just a really good, and yeah. it made me realize just how About good. love and revenge and it, it loneliness. Just, just made me really realize just how good both both Michael C. Hall and, I can't remember his name, 
the, the Ray Stevenson, the guy who's playing uh, Isaac, they're both phenomenal actors. That scene was so good. I thought that Agreed. was one of the best scenes of the season. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Now, the low point of the season for me was that whole side plot with the guy, the killer who made those mazes. Remember that with mm-hmm. well that that didn't last very long and it, it was like a three it was like three episodes you know I think the reason they had to do that is because there wasn't a big baddie in this episode if you think about or in this series if you think well, about all either. the other seasons there was a baddie that started from beginning to end I mean look at the Trinity Killer season yeah. I mean it was it was Dexter versus Trinity episode by episode all the way up through the end and then you had that cliffhanger with Rita I mean you had mm-hmm. one common bad guy in this one the Isaac. The, the Isaac um, thread wasn't long enough for an entire series, so they probably had to pad it with something else. Because we thought that the the maze killer guy was going to be the baddie for the season. Well, and I know, because he wasn't even introduced to like season four. But I'm glad a couple, that couple I'm, episodes in, his, his I'm glad that he only lasted a few episodes. Me too. Because... I didn't find him to be interesting. It's, I thought that his plot sucked. Like I don't, and I don't feel like there was one particular episode where I thought his. The the plot was was really bad, I thought, with him and just the way that he created these mazes and had his prey, I guess, you know, go through the maze and he tracks him down wearing a yeah. stupid bullhorn. And his, his motivation but was I remember, weird, too. Something about with his mother. Yeah, but I remember the, there was a scene when usually Dexter, I think, is done very well from the, all the camera work and the music I always think is done really well. But that scene, there was a scene when Dexter gets caught in his maze and... I thought that scene, I was like, I was cringing. I thought the camera work, I thought the everything about that scene, the cinematography was horrible. Usually I don't, you know, think too much about that stuff when it comes to TV, more about movies, but that scene just looked like a, a really bad, cheap television show, and Dexter's not that. But no, and, and I, I honestly don't, I, I remember the scene that you're talking about, but I don't remember having that thought at I, the time, it so looked, I can't really comment on that. It looked like a horrible, it just looked... It just looked yeah. very cheap. Like it looked really bad, especially especially from Dexter when we usually associate to be pretty good storytelling and pretty good, yeah. pretty good show. But I thought this season was a return to form. I thought the last couple seasons, season the last good season I thought before this season was the Trinity Killer season. Season uh, that was season four, I believe. Yeah, I, I I agree with you that that was one of the better seasons. Season five I was the, the other was the seasons. girl in the barrel season. That was only okay. It was with, still with, it was still Lumen. good though. I mean, there was and, still some some times well, where you think Dex- there's there's always the I haven't I haven't not enjoyed Dexter, but I think season five with I think the, they do with, a good with, job of building with Lumen suspense. and the Barrel Girls wasn't all that good. And last season with Travis and the and the um the whole religious angle for the whole season was okay. That and 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 the because the twist the that twist it wasn't a twist that. I called everybody on the, like everybody yeah. called that except for you. You kept holding out hope. Maybe that guy, maybe well, maybe just, he's real. Maybe he's real. I was trying real. to look for signs that they're trying that they're purposely leading you down the wrong direction because was, I didn't want to think that it was that obvious. I, mean, I didn't so, want to admit that they would make it that obvious, but they did. Now I could see where somebody who didn't see it coming, yeah, would be like, would have that would have been you know that would have made the season for him. That could have right. been something awesome. But for us, especially me, and I feel like everybody else would just knew that that was coming so it was We're, like we also avidly read um different forums and different reviews and stuff and so i think that's even where the first idea of it came to your head i don't think you had that idea independently so you know maybe if we were watching the show in a vacuum 
it would come out different. We'd have different that's, opinions on that's it. That's true, but it it was fine when, it went, when that happened. It was like, okay, yeah, we knew that. Let's move on. And so I thought yeah. that season wasn't that good. But... I, I did like the whole symbol, symbolism of when Dexter was on the boat and they lit the boat on fire and it was like the ring of fire type thing. Yeah. I, I thought that was pretty cool. And and I thought some of the different motifs, although religious and I'm not big into the religion um, scene, I I did think that some of the kills were creative and and unique. But let's let's go ahead and move on to the finale because that is yeah. going to lead to what is probably going to be a pretty kick-ass season eight. So so, you... so leading up to the finale, Laguerta gets a stick up her ass after having found the blood slide at the scene of Travis's murder and immediately starts to think that it's Dexter. Mm-hmm. Of course, she then starts having conversations with uh, the former captain. I can't remember his name. The older guy. Who oh, his, his a first name's Tom. I yeah. know because she always Lagorda keeps calling him Tom. He was a friend of Harry's. He used to be on the force. She, he's he's the one that Lagorda essentially knocked off in order to take his position mm-hmm. by uh, demonstrating that he had been with Hooker. Anyway, yeah, they, so... they start talking, and she finds out some more circumstantial evidence with respect to the Doke's killing, to Doke's death, and that leads her even more down the Dexter track. Eventually, she ends up getting. Um, Oh God! What's his name released from prison? Who is the guy who essentially ordered the hit on Dexter's mom? And you don't know that she's the one who had him released. They just say, "Oh, he's up for parole," and he gets out. And yeah. of course, Dexter goes on the hunt to kill him. And what happens? Laguerta starts to track him. Exactly. So just cut to the. We can just probably cut to the yeah. end. Talk so, about it. so cut to that. It it culminates so in the, the suspense builds. Laguerta keeps keeps believing more and more that Dexter's the one who's done it. Done it. She's digging herself a grave because no one else believes it. Yeah. So Dexter frames her. Dexter frames her, and then it just culminates in a scene where he kills the the guy who killed his mother. Yeah, I al- think of his name. Along with Hector Prado, I think, or no, no, Prado was I I don't remember his name. Estrada. It's Estrada, Estrada. Yeah. Yep. Hector, Hector Estrada, you're right, you're yep. right. And so kill, he kills Estrada. He kills Estrada, and he, 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 lures was, he was planning to kill Laguerta there. Laguerta. And what happens? Deborah knows about the plot, so she shows Deb up. Deb shows up. And she didn't know that that's what Dexter was going to do. She, just, she pretty much assumed. She was wondering where. But, she put on an APB, where's Laguerta? But then it's a, stand, her down. It's a standoff with her. Whole, like, Deborah shows up to the shipping container. Laguerta she, wakes up from her anesthesia and is laying on yeah, the but, floor. So, puts two and two so together. So did you think Laguerta or that Deborah was going to shoot Dexter or Laguerta? She was clearly Laguerta. Gonna, she was clearly going to shoot somebody. I didn't know if she'd shoot to kill. I thought she was going to shoot Laguerta, but for a moment, a split moment, I thought maybe Dexter. Because now Dexter is going to kill an innocent. It's come down to this. Maybe yeah. I thought maybe Deborah just had enough integrity that she would just take her brother down. But at the same time, it's an innocent yes, but well, it's, it's self-preservation. It's but not true. like he was just going out and killing but anybody. Dexter wouldn't have died himself. anyways because Showtime's renewed the season for another season, so it would have it would have gone in, on. So in either case, I didn't think she would shoot to kill. You know, I thought well, if, if she shoots no, Dexter, she she, shoot. she'll incapacitate him, she shoot shot, him in the leg. It, I don't know. It what, wouldn't help. It wouldn't help anything if she didn't kill Aguera because then Aguera could talk. Aguera yeah. would know that Deborah shot her. So at the, the, at the time, that was my thought, but then when I gave it more thought, I, I realized that's pointless. You're right because Aguera could still talk. Yeah, Aguera had to die. So now Deborah's they were a killer. Both going down, and it's like, where's next season gonna go? I I don't really know what. I mean, I I don't see that de- like. Deborah has so she developed these mental issues. I mean, I think it started off come down to a team up. It's not going to be like a Deborah. It's not going to be like a Deborah Dexter 
team up. Like, she's not going to, you know, no. start doing the vigilante killings that Dexter no, does. but they did hint at she wanted Dexter to kill Hannah McKay. She wanted Dexter to kill, um, there's another, another guy who they couldn't, the, the, the maze guy. They couldn't put him in jail. They didn't have yeah. the evidence to do it, and she asked Dexter to do it for her, and he did. So, was, she was, does have that dark side, but... It was so good. It was a good episode. She's separated from it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I can eat meat, but I would never want to be the one doing the killing myself to eat it. So I think it's the same thing for, for Deborah. She She's, um, I guess she's shielded or guarded from the actual acts of murder. She just sees the end point up until now. I don't know how she's going to live with herself, to be honest with you. I just hope next season... I wouldn't season... be surprised if she stepped down from Lieutenant, although... I just hope next season's good, because this season was really good, and it would have been... It actually would have been made for a pretty... Because there was some filler, like there was the guy and there was the guy the with the maze. Guy. Well, the guy with the maze, there were some filler episodes. If they would have made this the last season, they probably could have made it a really good season with, with with keeping a lot of the same elements. You probably could have kept Isaac. You could have kept LaGuerta on the trail, and that would have ended in some yeah. kind of something even crazier. Yep. And I'm not, not excited for next season. I actually mean really excited. Yeah. But one of I the just things that hope we're, that it's good. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things that we were kind of predicting is, okay, Angel just retired. He's not on the force anymore. I could see something happening where Dexter's on the run or looking for help and still, you know, goes to Angel for help, but Angel doesn't know what's going on. And we thought he was probably going to leave the show because yeah, of he's his retirement. Retired. But I, I just read an interview that he's coming back for season eight, so I don't know if he's going to stay yeah. as because I'll of... I'll be interested to see how they work. Him, him and LaGuardia were close. I mean, they were married for that stupid side plot from, mm-hmm. I think, season five or whatever. They, I feel like the writers didn't know what to do, so then they just ended up fighting yeah. and, and getting the, a divorce. The piece with Laguerta's death that I'm having a hard time figuring out with how they're going to get around it with regard to forensic evidence is I believe Deborah killed Laguerta with her gun. Yeah. And they keep track of that stuff at the police. So how are they going to... You know, is Deborah going to have to come up with some kind of story that her and Laguerta switched guns at some point? Probably or, some kind of story. You know, there's going to have to be a story for that, and maybe that's where Angel's going to come in and do some undercover work, maybe... Because he, he, he had, I wouldn't say feelings for LaGuerta as in being still in love with her, but they definitely, because of that marriage, they were close. Well, he, And there were he, some scenes he, even he here. He definitely still had feelings. Yeah, because no, yeah, was... he asked, oh, are you trying to reconcile in one of exactly. the episodes? Exactly, like, I season. think he yeah. actually still has very strong feelings, because there was that scene when, yeah, right, exactly, right. he, so he that up. So, I'll be curious to see how they write Angel into this. Yeah. Just, you know, he's so close to both Dexter, Dexter and Deborah. I mean, his sister is the one who watches Harrison. Mm-hmm. So... I'm I'm definitely excited. I think it's time for the series to end, though, just because yeah, I agree. they've had to get creative with who the bad guys are, and some of them have worked, and some of them haven't. And I think I agree that it's it's just time for the show to to wrap it up. All right, yeah, yeah. It'll hopefully season eight is good. Yep, I'm so, looking forward to it. I say we we have other shows we watch. We can kind of breeze through them. I think the league has been excellent this season. It's always funny. It, I just is... saw it's been renewed for a fifth season. So... Oh, did you? I didn't see yep, that. I, I read that. It has been renewed. It's always so, so funny. It's got, it's, it's just got really raunchy humor that you just don't see. I mean, yeah, it's on FX. It's on a cable channel, but it is, it's just really funny. It um, is. And they, they, they tie it to fantasy football, but whether or not you play fantasy football, it doesn't matter because you can enjoy the show either way. Yeah. It's, it's really a funny show. We're not going to talk any, about any specifics, but no, if you're not no, watching it's just, it, it's That's it's just worth a comedy. All the, a lot of the other stuff we watch is our comedies. The NBC stuff we've been watching. I Thursday think, night shows. Thursday night shows. I think those of the Parks and Rec, that's 
Parks and Rec, I think, is the that's strongest. It's been doing at just as well as it's been doing. As that shows, other than season one, which I thought was not as great, it's yeah, it's it's, it's been doing. It's hitting a stride and it's yep. doing well. I, I find Amy Poehler to be. She gets better every season. I feel like I I really like the character the the girl who plays April. The the office is doing okay this season, but it's clear that it's time for that show to go. I mean, this season's yeah. I, I really not think it, bad, it, but... it died with Steve Carell. And I don't then... think the Andy character has been well written at all. I I think they've tried to write him first. They tried to write write him as a Michael Scott replacement, and the comedy part aspect of it didn't work. Then they kind of wrote him as a douchebag. That part didn't work. Mm. They they really and then they they also kind of wrote Andy as this like I'm a failure at everything type character, like the sad. Mm-hmm puppy dog please feel sorry for me character that really didn't work and that rubbed me the wrong way mm-hmm. I, I didn't like those plots at all so no. they just that that character has been up and down and and yeah just yeah. poorly written yeah that show it's been okay this season but it's time for that show to go yeah. i'm not gonna i'm it, hopefully it, the end of the show is good it it uh sorely misses mindy kaling and i think bj novak mm. I, I, I miss know, both I of them yeah. more more mindy kaling I, I think she added a I lot could, of humor to it. I, I miss her character. I could give or take those them. So. And I, because of her, I'm, I'm considering watching the Mindy Project. I haven't haven't watched any of it yet, but I am kind of curious to, to check that out. But, so this is a Talking Geek, a geek podcast. We sh- I feel like we should at least mention, we're not going to talk about Fringe, because we actually have not watched this season yet. We, we have been watching the series episode week by week in the past. Well, actually, the first two seasons we caught up on. We hadn't watched the show. Mm-hmm. And then we watched the last couple of seasons week to week. Right. And then this season we thought we'd just save it all up. And I know it's actually getting close. I think episode 11 or 10 airs. So there's only a couple more episodes. It's going to wrap up in yep. January. So so we're not ignoring that show. That's that's definitely no, we'll have, a big talking we'll have some, we'll, show to discuss. Yeah, we'll have next month. We'll have some big... Some, some good stuff to talk about that, I'm sure. I hope this season is good. I just think part of me is a little... The way the season four ended, it seems like it's not going to be so much about the the conflict between the red the red uh, universe and the blue universe. It's going to be... It seems like, like they kind of wrapped it up. It seems like it's going to be more as the the future war and the war with the the observers are, mm-hmm. and the observers taking over. But I well, really we'll just want to see how they wrap up Peter and Olivia's arc. That's the most intriguing to me. So anything else we want to mention for TV? Oh, the the new uh, Nickelodeon Teenage Mutant Ninja mm-hmm. Turtle show. Yep. That show has been doing excellent. What the, a great cartoon. I, I really have grown quite fond of that little cartoon. And what I really like about it is, at first, it was, the first episode, it was kind of weird getting used to the new CGI uh, art, well, it's not an art style, it's the, the show is done in CGI, and then the art style is very cartoony, but that fits with the turtles, and the turtles... Yeah, and, emo- and the way for showing expressions and emotions is different than yeah. typical. I mean, they'll they'll still do... They'll still portray emotion on uh, yeah. on the turtles' faces like normal, but then they'll add those um those kind of crazy symbols and crazy things that they yeah, do. Yeah, like that exclamation points exclamation and points and, and pops just, up. Like, but punctuation. That show's doing... That it's shows... quite quirky, though, and what I like, too, is that they've stayed true to the original... I say original, but maybe it's not quite that original. But to the the personalities as previously defined in other turtles uh, memorabilia, with mm-hmm. you know Raphael and his well, his moody. They're not going to change and, that up. They're not going to change it up. And they, then they're not going to change it up, but they could they could stress it more or less in different ways. But thing, I like how they're doing it. The other thing that always brings a smile to my face is the opening credits. I really like them a lot because it's an updated version of the original '80s 
Turtles theme. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of punky though. That, that's yeah, it's kind of punky and, and also um, sort of hip hoppy. But I like it. And also, the end shot of the opening credits yeah. is it ends up in the exact same pose from the Turtles number one from yep. the original volume one from the Mirage series. Yeah, so that I'm, always I'm brings really a smile to my it. face. I mean, I don't know how many people out there, hopefully, I mean, all Turtles fans would hopefully recognize that. But I mean, it's a good little nod to those who are are familiar with yeah. that episode or that that issue. That series. This this um this show would be nice if they came out with a decent box set for it. Mm-hmm. The problem I have with other cartoons that have come out, like I really enjoy Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, that cartoon a lot. The problem is they haven't released it in a full box set. They've released it in individual volumes where they always disc do that with one cartoons. is six episodes, disc two is the next six. They always do that with cartoons, I and I don't really know why. I really wish that they would release this Turtles, and I don't know what they're going to do with it. I don't know how they're going to release it, but it would be wonderful if they could release it in a box, full box set with some special features for the fans. Because I would, I would scoop that up in a heartbeat. They always do volumes like that. I no. know the Batman, the animated series, they've done like that. Although now they've released the entire yeah. series. And, and Superman, the animated series. We have series. the original Iron Man series from, uh, I think it's the early 2000s. And that they came out in, with in a box set. Because that was but only two seasons. I really want the Superman, the animated series on DVD. And, and they have the vo- volumes of that just like mm-hmm. they always do these volumes yeah that's they how they release the season. original tmnt cartoon but it's, it's disappointing i think they've come out with a superman the animated series complete box set i'm not sure i need to check amazon on that but if not i definitely want to pick that mm-hmm. up i don't know if they do that because it's primarily they assume that primarily kids are the ones who's watching these and i so... think they just want to make money they the, it's it probably is kids who want the cartoons and so you got to buy instead of yeah, just you buying pay season 10 one bucks per disc and so you end up paying what like 30 bucks just for one season, 40, 50 bucks for one season. It's well, just... a season's probably $30 anyways, but no, you'll probably yeah. spend more than 30 $20 on volume one, $20 on volume two. I would say maybe 15 but even then, if it's four volumes, you're yeah. spending 60 bucks for it's... a season that's probably only worth 30 But talking about Turtles is probably a good way to transition to comics, because I know we got a lot of comics that we want to mention. We can't we go... Do. I don't now, think we can talk about in depth about I want to warn but... the readers of our, our reading schedule. Readers. They're listeners, not readers. We like to buy our comics in bulk. It's easier. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about buying some... them week to week. So generally, we'll receive our, all of our comics at the end of the month. So we might be a week or two behind from when the actual well, we release of comics is. we could even be a month or two, is. depending so on... So just bear with us on that. We're, we might be, a, you know, we'll be a couple of weeks behind, but we'll talk about the issues as they come up and as we read them. But it's a good it's it's a good segue going from the Turtles to Turtles TV show to the Turtles comic because yeah, what a great this comic. new IDW volume is good. It's really really good. Yep. The they're up to issue I think sixteen now, mm-hmm. and they've been doing the micro series as, as well yeah. as just like the original Mirage series, and then they've also they had a crossover with um I IDW had a company-wide crossover called Infestation. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was only two issues. What was nice, though, is that unlike the Marvel and DC crossovers, where they're all interconnected, these were crossovers, but they were completely standalone crossovers. Right. I mean, I'm sure the story would have been more enriched for us if we had read the other issues. No, I, didn't I, don't, care about... I don't think it would have. I don't think it would have. See, there, it isn't like the Turtles exist. The way that DC and Marvel have universes and all their characters exist in that, like... 
IDW has distinct like the turtles exist in their universe. The mm-hmm. the transform transformers exist in their yeah. own universe. But it's, it's just weird to have the infestation happen across all universes. Well, that yeah, and they, have that, it not be related. That is sort of the thing is that it spans these universes. But I don't, I don't think it. Well, since I don't know. I, since I didn't read them, having not read it, yeah, I don't know. But, if any if any of you have read it, email us talkinggeek at gmail dot com. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, but but the turtle series has been excellent. I think the story writing. Has been ex- who it, it's Dan Duncan, Dan Duncan, who is doing the mm-hmm. writing, and he's he's written all the episodes, all the main series uh, issues up till now, and for all uh, the first I think twelve issues was the same artists who who was the no and Dan oh, now I'm like questioning myself, I think Dan Duncan. Oh, now I'm annoyed. I because I, I could be getting it wrong. I could be getting it completely wrong. Yeah. Well, let's just talk about the story arc, and people can look up the artists. Well, because that's the, the thing is, it's the art has become an issue because the the artist who was doing the first twelve issues left, and then the last I think three issues the art mm-hmm. Andy Kuhn is yeah. the newest artist, and, and, and the art is horrible. They're trying to hold up similar ways of drawing the characters, but it just hasn't been the same. It's been and, really bad. And yeah. and, and the, the first artist who it was, I, he did a good job of nodding to the original Black and White series, the the very first Volume 1 Turtles. I think that, you know, he wasn't trying to copy it, he but he emulated it in a way that I think well, was a good nod to the original. Regardless of how well it relates to the original, I just thought he he was doing a really good... Oh, some really good art, and I liked it because it... Did it, he do the coloring, too? Well, I don't no, know. No, no. It's funny. I actually know who... Rhonda Patterson, Pat, Patterson or Pattinson, is doing the uh, colors for the issues. The, the color scheme is really good, and too. And she's remained consistent. They've, she's they've stayed great, on. They've great color scheme for this. I think the each turtle, is they're kind of different, unique colors of green in the backgrounds, and I mean, I think it's been well-colored. What I really liked about the original artist... And now it is annoying me because it's either Dan Duncan or Tom Waltz. Would that that is the writer? I think writer. Duncan's the writer and Waltz is a drawer. No, I think it's Waltz. Because I think is... it's Duncan and then Waltz on the credits. When I you... think it was. I think it's switched. But one of those either are way. the. Um, but that team was hitting on all cylinders for the first twelve issues, and the writing has been has remained consistent yeah. even throughout uh, what I would consider to be. And, and just to talk about that, I mean, it's it's got its own unique plot, but it's also nodding back to the original plot like it's it's well, taking what was originally written and it's twisting it around well, a little what's so bit. awesome is that it it nods not to just the original mirage series but it also there's nods to the cartoons there's there was one of the the raphael micro series had those thugs who who were rebop, uh bebop and rocksteady before yep. they got transformed yep now right now so not the original movie and no they were cartoon yeah we don't but if you're listening to this podcast, you know who Bebop and Rocksteady are. <laughs> but um, th- now in the issues, that we're just now getting introduced to the Technodrome, which has never been seen in the comics before, as far as I know, except for the probably the original Archie series mm-hmm. that was based on the the first cartoon. But I don't think it's been seen in the in the in the comics the before. Technodrome. Yeah, no. It's, so that was was that really unique to the the eighties cartoon? Yeah, definitely. Okay, definitely. That was the so they're doing a really good job of tying everything together. Which surprisingly, you're not reading this. I mean, we so tran- transitioning from the turtles, another an, another IDW series that's doing great and ties in all past car- um, incarnations is the Ghostbusters series, 
which I think, I know you're not reading it, but... Yeah, and part of the reason I'm not reading it is, I don't know, I'm not a big fan of the art when I've looked at it. Maybe if I actually sat down and read an issue, I'd change my mind. It's actually pretty fun. At it's, first glance, it, it, I don't, it doesn't really appeal to me. It has that really cartoony... Yeah, well, it's almost too cartoony for me. I'm not sure. It's kind of cartoony, but I've come to really like it. It's it's got its own style because nothing else looks nothing else that I'm reading looks like that comic, mm-hmm. and that's really awesome. And it does a the great thing that this is doing is exactly what Turtles is doing. It's tying in this is it ties in all the movies. It ties in the video game. It's not it, it the PS3 it, game. Is there more than one? T- Ghostbuster game? I don't know. Yeah, but you're there's... talking you're referencing the PS3 well, game. Well, yeah, the the PS3 video game that reunited the voice actors from the movies, mm-hmm. which was a pretty cool video game. It wasn't the best video game in terms of actual gameplay. I still enjoyed it a lot, but it was just another fun romp to get back with the, the I enjoyed main, watching you play it. The main cast doing the voices. It was just you felt like you were there. I mean, that was you were playing a uh, you know, a, a trainee that and you were right there with them. So the the comic makes reference to the to the individual who was testing out all the new equipment and was the trainee, which is who you were in the video game. So it's tying in the movies, the the video game, and it's it's forging its own I- identity as mm-hmm. well. But it's well, doing it in such a way that if you weren't familiar with the other with the other Ghostbusters incarnations, you'd be fine. Nah. I assume, or or would you? You're not, not reading it, so I'm I don't not, know I'm, how you. I'm can, asking. Like, no, I don't think you would. So. If I was reading this comic, and I, I haven't played the game, I need, I know the background of the game, I know the, the general storyline of the game, but and well, I've seen all the Ghostbusters movies, but I haven't seen them a ton where I could quote them or anything, so I wonder if I would get as much out of the comic. I don't think you would, and that's why you're not reading it. Well, but yeah. for fans of Ghostbusters, it's, I mean, for fans of Ghostbusters, it's awesome. And I think it's kind of hard to separate myself from how good of a... How I would think a non-Ghostbusters fan would feel about reading. I feel like it, after a few issues, you might learn who people are. But Walter Peck is in the is in the comic. He's from Ghostbusters One, but I can tell if you were blank expression and you didn't even know who Walter Peck was. It's a yeah. But <laughs> but I zoned out for a second there. Exactly. That's so. <laughs> so that's that's pretty much what I have to say on Ghostbusters. But. Excellent, excellent series, and I, yeah. And speaking of kind I'll, of, I'll talk more about it in future episodes, I'm sure. So, since you're talking about kind of cartoony series, that leads me to want to talk a little bit about Daredevil and also about Hawkeye. What are those cartoony? I'm not reading those. Well, so. Hawkeye is not cartoony per se, but it has a very, very unique art style. It's uh, when it's when it's being done by David Aja, who's done. It's it's only up to issue six. He's done at least the first three or four issues. A couple of them have been a different artist. But he has a very unique um, drawing style for this. And also, they've stuck to a primarily purple color scheme. So the, the books are a lot of purple and a lot of white, various shades of purple to, to color things in. And don't get me wrong, there's other colors in there too. But it's just a really fun book. It's kind of an adult-themed book, but it's got a lot of jokes in it. Um and and just good action scenes it's 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 a fun little book it's they've got a couple of short arcs that are two or three issues long and then a couple of standalone issues like i said it's only six it's only up to issue six right now but so far it's the book that i look forward to reading the most being lighthearted. i'm i'm a big daredevil fan and daredevil's been so dark up until recently also that it's it's nice to have some of these more lighthearted books it's not tying into the other universe to the rest of the marvel universe which I also like because Marvel tends to have a lot of big crossover events that go 
against all of you know within all of their main titles it's nice to have something that's outside of that world mm-hmm. and they even advertise when you read the inside cover marvel always puts like a little text about the issue or what happened in the last issue and they say this this book is about hawkeye when he's not with the avengers when he's not doing other things this is hawkeye's personal life and it leads you to know that his personal life is really screwed up so it's 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 a good book i, I like it it's a lot. getting it's getting the new like mark mark wade's still writing it right or is he not um, no, it's, it hasn't been Mark Wade. It's Matt Fraction who's writing it. Mark Wade is writing Daredevil. Oh, I, th- I thought you were talking about Daredevil. What are you oh, talking, talking about? I was talking about Hawkeye. Oh, I thought you were talking about Daredevil. I'm not reading either issue. So everything you were saying could have applied to either, but I thought well, you were talking Daredevil's about... Daredevil's not done in purple. Oh, I... What do you mean, not done in... I, I said that the, like, color scheme of, of Hawkeye is, like, primarily purple, which, I oh. mean, his, his costume back from the original when he's in Avengers was, was all purple. But that lets you know how much I know about what's going on, because I thought it's, what you were... Because you were saying it's really lighthearted and fun, which is what so people have been Daredevil. saying about Daredevil, yeah, so... Yeah, both of them are. They're, they're both really lighthearted. Daredevil's a little bit more dark than uh, Hawkeye is right now, because Hawkeye is doing a lot of street-level fighting, uh, random villains, people you wouldn't have... I mean, nobody of any notoriety... Uh, Daredevil's starting to get a little bit more involved with bigger name villains and uh, more more so than the street level stuff. He's not Kingpin's not even in this series. Uh, it's been discussed that he's probably not going to be in this series. Neither are mostly any other villains that you've heard of. So Mark Wade's bringing in some new interesting villains. Um, most recently, he's bringing in Coyote, which I'm I'm interested to see where they take that. And they're doing a lot of mental uh, games with Daredevil, which I like a lot. Because usually Daredevil's the Catholic guilt. Oh, he's done something wrong. He's beating himself up for it. He's something that he's done has led to someone that he loves getting hurt, and then he just gets depressed. That's mm-hmm. kind of been the the previous volume um, with Brew Baker and Bendis, and then some other writers who jumped in. It was just dark and dark, and it just kept on rolling more and more. Down and I know that you said that. Everybody's been saying how good this volume of Daredevil is, and yeah, it's you just, had me it's read so the first. Different. You had me read the first issue. Because I thought, oh, I this it. is this is a great time to jump on, but yeah, I loved the first I, issue. It it didn't grab my attention, and I just don't have that attachment to the to Marvel characters. And I've gotten to like Daredevil more because you're into Daredevil. Yep. But eh. this reminds me a lot of the Frank Miller run because Frank Miller had some darkness to it, but it also there was always light at the end of the tunnel, and that's what was missing in the previous Daredevil volume especially towards the end that there was never any light at the end of the tunnel and now there is and so I, I really like that and i look forward to those issues every every month i really look forward to it so so i just wanted to touch on a couple of titles that i know that you're not reading because i'll mm-hmm. just briefly mention them but dc's animal man is a title that i had never been i hadn't been reading animal man Ever, I'd never read them, but with the launch of DC's New Fifty Two, I thought this is a good time to pick up some new some new titles that I hadn't been reading. And Animal Man is the only one that I gave a shot at that I began continuing to read. I had to drop Teen Titans immediately because it sucked. I just dropped Superboy immediately because it up sucked. Justice League. No, I well, I've I've read Justice League in the past. Oh, okay. I hadn't been reading it. You're just talking about just new titles since New Fifty Two that you hadn't previously read. Yeah, okay. yeah, but Animal Man I had never read, and it has been. Fantastic. Jeff Lemire is writing, and it is because I, I didn't know what to expect coming into Animal Man, and it's I know you haven't been reading it, but what it's about is it's about Animal Man, and he has a family, and it's hard to it's just well with, with, without going into the specifics with you because it's it's kind of it sounds a little convoluted, but Animal Man derives his powers from 
what's called the red. It's kind of an attachment with the, like the animal kingdom. And then there's mm-hmm. also the green, which is like where Swamp Thing gets his gets his powers from. He's like connected to the plant world. And then there's also the um, the rot, which is where like it's it's essentially like where like like a lot of the bad in the in the world comes mm-hmm. from is this rot. Right. These kind of and I know they just had are, that rot world. No, that, well, that's still going on, and that's yeah. what's been excellent is rot world the whole series has been it's it's very grotesque the art is always very grotesque yep. and I, I tried to read the first issue and i say tried i didn't try real hard i'll tell you that but i read maybe the first couple of pages and i just i was not digging the art style but i well a new artist has come on anyways well, maybe then. i would change my mind now but I don't know. it's such a good story i don't know where it's gonna go or how well i'm gonna enjoy it after this Rot World storyline that's currently going on is wrapping up because the whole series for the first, I think, 12, 13 issues was building up to essentially this Rot World, and then Rot World is happening right now, mm-hmm. um, crossing, and it's kind of a crossover with Swamp Thing, but they're into, they're into, you don't have to be reading either one of them. I'm mm-hmm. actually not reading Swamp Thing. There was a couple of tie ins in the middle, um, after like prologue stuff, but that, well, I call the first like 12 issues prologue, but there yeah. was a couple. Immediately before Rot World, there was a couple of issues where I did have to read Swamp Thing, but that is doing excellent. So I, I wanted to mention that. Yeah, it's it's always interesting to see how a title moves on after a major arc or well, a major storyline, especially if it's well, anything that's game changing. I mean, especially especially I mean, a six issue arc is one thing, but the full like sixteen issues, and I think there's like two more. So by the time this wraps up, I think it'll be sixteen, seventeen issues. Yeah, will so be it's all over of, a year's worth of content. Oh, yeah, so. I'm not sure where it's going to go from there, and yeah. I hope it maintains the quality. Now, is it staying with the same writing artist team, or is exactly. somebody else coming yes, on? Yes, it is. Well, although, so then, so, then you have a good hope for continuity of some sort. Although, and, although, on the other side of things, which I'm not reading, but they're pretty closely tied, but Swamp Thing, Scott Snyder, and who's the other? I'm not sure the artist, but Scott Snyder's a writer. They're actually leaving Swamp Thing, so hopefully right. the Animal Man team doesn't follow suit. But So that title's good, but I also want to talk about what is my... Standout title of 2012, and I just can't praise it enough. Is is um, Elephant Men? I first I had never heard about this series, and apparently no one else has <laughs> because it's the best series you're not a few reading. months. Well, yeah, it's the best series any nobody's reading because I saw the numbers for it a couple months ago, and it has you know it had sold about 2,500 copies of whatever the most recent issue was, 39, I believe, which is It's great that there's companies like IDW where you can have that small distribution and it still works. Image image is really becoming known as the creative place to be. For a while it wasn't. And I never really read Image, but we're getting more in Image. I know you're you're reading Walking Dead, which you might talk about in a minute. Yep, and and Powers, which... Nope. Who knows? Powers is well. Powers was originally Image, right? Yeah. And now it's, it's Icon. Now it's Marvel's Icon imprint. But right. still, Image is becoming the place where people create their own contents really, really happen. And I've never heard about. I'd never heard of Elephant Man before. We went to C two E two this in this year in April. It was one of our first bigger cons. We've been to the Motor City uh comic-con here in michigan and that one's small it's smaller compared to other ones and it the the major publishers don't don't really have a uh, presence i mean at c2e2 they have dc and marvel have booths and it's a it's a pretty big thing it's not as big as um san diego but it's pretty comparable to new york but around the artist alley we were walking around artist alley for a little bit and 
I saw this big giant poster that had these these kind of militaristic looking um, rhinos and elephants and just pretty cool looking animals. Um, and I no, and they were giving out free issues of uh, reprint, issue one, yeah. reprints of issue one. It would have been awesome if they were out issue one, but. The whole series is the comes from the mind of Richard Starkings, who I'd never heard of him before. Apparently, he was pretty big in the lettering world. He's because hmm. lettering is its own thing in comics, yeah. you know. That you know, and mm-hmm. he he's a pretty big deal in the lettering world. He has his, he he runs a lettering company and uh, called Active Images, I believe, and they um, which is funny because no other comic does this because. He lettering is big to him and fonts and all that mm-hmm. stuff. On the front cover of every Elephant Man comic, it lists the fonts that are every font that's oh, used that's throughout cool. the every yeah, font that's used throughout that the issue. But the series is about these these uh, genetically modified animal human hybrids, and it's set after and they were created for war purposes to. Be a, to essentially be a military, a military force that. Com- you, you, there's a whole backstory about mm-hmm. about the, a war that's going and, on and in I France. And I have to admit that whole premise really intrigues me. There, there's no reason that I'm not reading Elephant Men, other than the fact that I've just got a lot of other titles that I read. And but, I mean, hearing you talk about it, and this is not the first time I've heard you talk about it. I mean, it it always intrigues me. I just need to find the time to sit down and read it. But the series, what's what's awesome is, I mean, is the series is set way after they're out of the war. Now they're leading civilian lives. That's all backstory. Now they're leading civilian lives, and the story primarily follows a couple of a couple of the elephant men as they're come to, as as they're called, and their a uh, private detective is is a big one. His name's Hip Flask. He's one of the primary uh, one of the primary characters. He's a He's 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 a detective. He works for uh, the information agency, I believe. And then there's other there's one one of the elephant men has now become a really powerful one of the power one of the most powerful and and rich men and in in influent and influential I say men but influential elephant men mm-hmm. in the world. And he's and he's not he's sort of the Lex Luthor of this world, but not quite. He's and he isn't that evil, but he really he has. He he does everything in his own interest, but the dynamic is really is really good, and the the thing the writing is just so good. It's so what, what kind of I mean, does it play on themes like about assimilation into a human run society? Oh yes, it, or, it, I mean, it, what it, kind of storylines are the in, themes are, are exactly assimilation into human society, uh, bigotry because they're mm-hmm. nobody likes them. Like right now, a big thing that's going on is um, Obadiah is like the rich elephant man I was just mentioning, and he has a human wife. And she's pregnant. Oh, so there's interbreeding. She's she's pregnant, and that's huge controversy. They even is they that even, legal? Y- yes, it is, but it's really frowned upon. Uh-huh. And just like there's racial slurs yeah. in the real world, the elephant men are called um, months. Like uh, that's mm-hmm. their that's like the the slur against them. But it's done so well. It's om- with the exception of a couple of issues, and there hasn't been a ton of issues. It's only mm-hmm. up to issue. 42 i believe and then there's been a couple of um a couple of small mini series that have and i i think there was there was one mini series a three issue mini series that's called war toys which is sort of uh it's well not sort of it's a prequel it shows the elephant men in the war that mm-hmm. in in the original wars um 
And then, and then there was a couple of follow-up issues to that, but those were actually in the main title yeah. itself. So are these elephant men in various levels of society, it sounds like, because you, you mentioned the private detective, and you mentioned someone who's actually higher up. And uh, one, one runs a... Uh, so it I sounds mean, like the, they, the they society run restaurants. is at least somewhat progressive in that they are able to obtain some levels of power. But, yeah, yeah, but they're still yeah they are, but they're still looked down upon. And I hadn't yeah. mentioned this. I, I but... mean, would you would you liken it to the U.S. in the 1950s and 60s, or do you think it's something totally different? Something totally different. And the the series is set in the future. And I didn't mention this, but the Elephant Men are completely intelligent. They mm-hmm. they they talk. They so and... they, they have a non humanoid form, but they've got human like brain. And, and it's a pretty and... it's a pretty mature title too. They swear they not. They are pretty. When there's women, they're pretty. They're drawn very sexually, which is which I don't mind reading. But <laughs> but the writing because it's only I do been, like the art style from because it's seen. only been and there's been rotating artists throughout it, but they've all been excellent. I think Richard Starkings. I I get the impression that he has complete control. He writes every issue, with the exception of he let some other individuals write a couple of issues, but. I feel like he's in control over picking artists that he yeah. wants when they're. I mean, art. that's kind of the point of image: create your own material. It I create your own control. I can't recommend it enough. It I I would almost go so far. I I mean, I have said this, but I think I'd go so far as saying it's one of my the best comic series of all time for me. Wow. I know a lot of people will put it up. I mean, I put it up there in the pantheon with Sandman because Sandman's good. But that, but there'll be an arc in Sandman because I haven't gone back and re- I'm just now catching up on Sandman. Mm-hmm. So I'm only about halfway through, and there's there's arcs, and that has traditional arcs, kind of the way that you know there'll be six issues in a new arc, and there's a couple of Sandman arcs that are really good. The first arc is excellent, and mm-hmm. there'll be then there'll be a lull arc, and it just. But every single issue of Elephant Man is yeah. that's the first thing I want to read every single month that comes out. Yeah, I'd, I'd, so you make me want to read it. I, I mean, was, I'm I. It's it's getting to be holiday break, Christmas break. Maybe I'll sit down. I was spoiled with the first volume and read it. I was spoiled because I got into the series when there was already like 37 issues out. So I got to I got oh, to I know pound how that goes. through those, <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, it's month to month. Yeah, but. I I know how that goes because I think that's a good segue to talk about Walking Dead a little bit. Okay. Because I just started reading it. And that is all you, because I haven't gotten into it. I feel like I'm going to break down and have to at some point. But well, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous about spoilers for you, because I don't want to spoil the season too much. Yeah, well, try Which, to keep this... I will. I, I'll, I'll I keep guess. it a little later until you read it, just yeah. like you did with, with Elephant Men for me. Um, I'm not going to... I mean, everybody who's seen any kind of media knows that The Walking Dead is about a post-apocalyptic world uh, where humans have turned into zombie-like creatures what I really like about the series, it's it's about 105 issues in. I believe it's 105 now. I have up through 104. I haven't read. Um, I haven't read the most recent arc, so I'm not going to talk about that. What I want you to talk about is specifics to the comic book. Like, and you you might have anyways, but I feel like everybody knows about the Walking Dead TV show, and it's about zombies. And yeah, and now I haven't watched the TV show, which I, I've I've been told that the first season of the TV show follows the comic pretty closely, but then it, it veers off into its own universe or at least its own continuity within the the yeah yeah, that's my understanding too but i mean the the comic is essentially what you'd expect it's it's a survival story they don't tell you why the walk the dead are walking they they don't tell you what the cause of it they don't tell you the solution or if there even is a solution all you know is that these zombies are alive 
they're walking around and they eat humans. And as soon as you get eaten, you're dead and then you turn into one too. So it's very much a survival story. And the the Walking Dead have taken over the world so much so that there's no government, there's no utilities, there's no power, there's no anything, there's no new food being manufactured. So it really is a hunting and gathering type sequence where you have to just try and survive and get by, find places to live that are safe, and the walking dead are attracted to sounds. So if you are too loud, they'll find you, and they'll eat you. They'll break in. Mm-hmm. And they they move slowly so that you can get away from them, but they also tend to swarm. So it's it's a quite dangerous scenario. And, and really one of the main themes in this book that I really find interesting is how people's morals and ideals change after this happened because if you think about our society right now we we all live in communities and we behave certain ways because it's expected of you for the betterment of the community we don't steal our neighbor's food we drive safely on the roads to protect ourselves but it protects others you know we do things that are for the common good of the community as well as for the common good of us we don't play ridiculously loud music late at night because we don't want to wake up our neighbors you know things like that and when the you know, all hell breaks loose. Those kinds of rules and, and general being nicemanship, I don't know what to call that, but just the general niceties that you do, that all falls away. And it becomes, what do you do to survive? Does it become morally okay to kill and eat another human? So if you're starving, you've got a kid to take care of, or even just taking care of yourself and your wife or whoever, just yourself even, and you come across another human can you kill that human and eat them? Because there's no food. There's no animals or whatever. Is that morally okay to kill another human for food? Mm-hmm. Or is it morally okay to kill another human because they threaten you? Those those types of moral questions are what comes up. Is it better to be living in one spot and try and gather and hoard and pick the food from the surrounding area around you? Or is it better to constantly be on the move? Is it better to live in... Uh, by yourself with one or two other people or to try and build a brand new community and build your numbers and live in the hundreds and mm-hmm. assign people jobs and create a government. It's it's all those types of issues. It sounds, it sounds interesting. Just, I've never been into zombies really. I mean, I've watched the it's original Night sto- of the... I've told you this before and I'll say yes, it again. I, it's not a story about zombies. I know, zombies. but it's there's a story zombies about in it. The people... But there's zombies in it, yes. and that doesn't in, that doesn't interest me. But it's not the zombies. I mean, the, I know. the zombies are what forces the story. I know you've mentioned the, that. The zombies are the apocalypse. But the fact that zombies are even a drive. Did you enjoy I Am Legend? Or uh, 28 Days? I did not enjoy 28 Days Later. Or 28 Weeks Later. Yeah. Um, I, these okay films from a filmmaking standpoint, but no, I didn't enjoy this. Okay. I did enjoy I Am Legend. That's kind of... It's I am part, Legend's a little different, though. Probably because I think Will Smith's very uh, charismatic, and yeah. I mean we've talked about him. We talked about him earlier. It's true. And so I thought I Am Legend was good. Yes, but I mean, th- and this is different from from both of those. The story's just really compelling, and the the main character, um, is is great, and his son is good, and the rest of his family. I mean, it's it's, and, it's an interesting story. I mean, story. zombies are the hot thing, just like vampires are. They. Those are the hot things, and I just am not intrigued at any of it. But it's it's just I I just keep having to remind you it's not a story about and, zombies. It's a story about moral character. And I know everybody and keep, how you change in the face of danger and in, in the face of survival. I is might what have it to is. check it out just because because it could just as well be how good aliens. it is. The thing is, is I might check it out and get into it, but 
I'm not intrigued. The only reason it's, it's it would be something that I would only check it out because other people mm-hmm. have told me it's interesting and good, not because I think it looks. Well, that's interesting why I would check good. out Elephant Man, but that doesn't make it any less good when you read it. I suppose there, but... there's two. There are two issues. I mean, they're slight issues. I wouldn't even call them issues that I have with it. Number one is that I've seen similar story arcs more than once, where mm-hmm. the the theme is is a common element, or it's like this is similar to something you've already written, but a little bit different, but kind of the same. And so I'm curious to see how it continues being a hundred issues in, if we see the same themes again and again, because then I'll, I really will get tired of it. So I'm hoping it's a little bit more progressive in the next year. And the, I guess really that's the main issue that I have with it is that, well, then there's one other thing. They've got a really, really great um, letters column in the back. And one of the letters that somebody wrote in was complaining that although they enjoy the story, they didn't think that the story pushed the themes and went deep enough into human character and I think that's true. And the the writers fought back saying, that's not the point of this book. We're not here to explore religion. We're not here to explore these different themes. But I would argue, why not? Mm-hmm. And they were saying, well, we're just here to put out a good, interesting, enjoyable book. I think the book could be a lot deeper, and it would be even better. So mm-hmm. I hope they push it a little bit more. So I guess we'll move on and breeze through a little bit. I'll just mention um, the Superman titles, which I'm reading. Superman and action comics actually three two good ones or two two not so good ones and one really good one but superman that has the hell on earth story that's going on right now or l however you want to it's <laughs> you know it's it, superman's name is cal l and this is h comma e l so they call it it's the hell on earth storyline but his name is Mm-hmm. L or however you want to... That's hard to say. However H-L. you want to... I just read it as hell. Yeah. But that's crossing over with Superboy and Supergirl, so I'm actually f- being forced to read those titles right now, so I am reading Superboy and Supergirl. But I have to say, I'm surprised that... And I am I feel like just reading reviews and other things that Superman is still not being reviewed very well. It The first the first few arcs with... um um Who was writing it? Who was it was Dan Jurgens for the second Dan Jurgens and Keith Giffen for the second arc, but uh, it hasn't been good since it, it mm-hmm. launched. Pretty much, it's been it's been garbage. And then, um, do you think that they'll do anything to align the comic with the movie coming out? Well, they've already announced a new title that's being started. That oh, separate has got me excited. Uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that for a minute. It is called well. Is it called Man of Steel? I don't think. I don't think. I think it has. I think yeah. the rumor is that it's, the title is also being called Man of Steel, to, just like the movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited because it has Scott Snyder doing the writing, which I haven't read any Scott Snyder work, but he's supposed to be. He's doing Swamp Thing right now. I actually mentioned. And Swamp he was Thing's leaving. doing quite well. And he's also doing. I believe it's either Detective Comics or Batman. I'm not reading. Which is also doing quite well. And he's the like driving force behind the death in the family that's going on right now mm-hmm. with Batman. And so he's coming on. With Jim Lee doing the art. Oh, so, that sounds like a good I'm pretty off. excited. I, I actually might pick up on that title, too. I know. I, I tried Action Comics. It was okay until, um, gosh, who was it that picked up that made me stop? Morrison. Grant Morrison. When he started writing, I dropped it. Start, start, writing, start writing what? Started writing Action Comics. He's, he was writing it for the whole time. Was 52. he? Yeah. I didn't think he, I thought he picked up at, like, issue seven. No, he's, he, he was writing since issue one. Oh. But his, but I can see why you're not. As familiar I guess with, it didn't get convoluted. You're not until as familiar then. with Grant Morrison's work, is and so yeah. So yeah, I'll talk about action comics in a moment. But yeah, the Man of Steel title has Jim Lee doing the art, and I know a lot of people out there love the dog on Jim Lee. I'm a huge 
fan of his art. It's very slick and very he draws a lot of detail. I feel like he's the artist that people love the dog on because he's so good. I don't. I do they I, dog on him because he doesn't meet deadlines. Yeah, that that is a reason. But there's a lot of people who actually just say that they don't like his art. But I feel like they're the they're just trying to be counterous and go against. I like his art a lot. I mean, I guess there if there's people out there who legitimately don't like his art, but I feel like he draws in such detail. I will. I mean, sometimes all of his male characters a lot of times look the same. A lot of his female characters look the same. But a lot of artists have that. He just draws. He does good so musculature. Much, so much detail. So I've always been a fan of Jim Lee's art. Mm-hmm. So Jim Lee and Scott Snyder has got me excited. I haven't really read Scott Snyder, but everything I've heard. So I'm excited for that title. So yep. um, I might pick up on that too. But going back to Superman, the Hell on Earth storylines going on, crossing over, and it's Hell is a we don't really know too much about him yet. He's a character who says he's from Krypton, and that he was sent out actually before Superman as sort of a scout. And he, he so far, it seems like his agenda is to remake Earth into Krypton, which is not something we haven't seen before. But I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying... Scott Labdell is doing the writing on Superman, and I'm surprised that I'm liking it because he was also doing Superboy and Teen Titans. I'm actually not sure if he's still doing those titles. Well, you he... like it. The general opinion is that it's not good, though. Well, that seems to still From be... From the... re- reviewers out that there. That still seems to be the general opinion, but I'm really liking it. So, moving on to Action Comics and with Grant Morrison, and that's... It started off as being a very realistic approach to Superman. Mm-hmm. It was, I read was, the first six was, issues. I liked it. There was no really Grant Morrison isms going on there. He was yeah. just writing a straight Superman story, which a lot of people thought was refreshing. And, and issue one, I thought was great. And then he started. I think you're right, though. Right when you decided to drop it, it was around issue seven. He started to get into. He started to. Yep. He started I, to I do read his, issue seven and went, I don't understand what I just read. That's and what Grant I Morrison does. He, he started. His, he started to do his Grant Morrison thing around issue seven, where you'll read an issue that actually happens in the future, and then you go to the next issue, and that issue that you read before hasn't even happened yet. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just for, I mean, I just got done reading issue fifteen. You read issue, you read issue fourteen, which I actually thought was pure garbage. But you read issue fourteen, and you think, and and it was bad, regardless of if you liked it or whatever. I mean, I guess. But then you read issue fifteen, and and you find out that issue fourteen actually won't even happen. For three years or so down oh, the line. Oh, that's so confusing. Yeah, you I didn't know that. I actually issue fifteen was pretty good. It's getting into he's he's bringing in. Now I'm going to use the pronunciation that I have always heard, which is um, the villain Mixpitolk. There's mm, a lot mm-hmm. of ways. There's a lot. I think a lot of people will say you know mix mixiexpitolik a lot of different ways. But I first heard the he's a, he's the imp from the fifth dimension, and mm-hmm. I first heard the pronunciation of his. On an old, an old record that I think my grandma had that had a, like a record story from, oh, when, I think it was the 60s or the 70s. Uh, the pop. kind that comes with a little book that comes with it and they read Exa- it to yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, yep. And they call a mixpatalk and that. And so that's was, it's always been the way it's, it's, how it pr- it's pronounced to me. So Morrison is kind of doing this mixpatalk story and issue 15 wasn't bad, but overall he just... And he can play with time, right? That's one of the things that yeah, this can well, do. Yeah, he can pretty much do anything he wants. Like he appears and disappears and... I mean, and there's an interesting take on it because he's actually... Mixpatalk isn't actually the main villain. It's this other guy who, from the fifth dimension, who has a, a issue with mixpatalk and is taken doing some revenge on him mm-hmm. and Superman... So it's interesting. Morrison's leaving after the next issue, I believe, though. Issue 16 is... Maybe I'll pick it back up again. Issue 16 is Morrison's last issue. So that title's... 
that title's been all over the place for these mm-hmm. 15 issues. It's been everywhere, and that's just, Morrison is just a crazy writer. Which, that's that's sad for the New 52, because the point of restarting at the New 52 is to give these stories better continuity, well, be more accessible for people, and it sounds like they didn't succeed in that after the first six issues is, of Superman if you know, action comics. You, it's it's what you should expect, though. I mean, why should any, why should we have expected anything different? I mean, Morrison is Morrison. This is the, this is the type of stuff he does, and I, I mean, it's not like he hasn't done good, good, good I work. I wonder why he just doesn't make his own creator own stuff all-star superman was actually excellent i liked that no i, mean, I didn't read that never mind i'm thinking of superman for all seasons i didn't read yeah, all-star yeah. superman all-star superman's good it's it's you it's still you can still tell it's morrison there's a lot of weird stuff going on but it's mm-hmm. it's more straightforward i might have to do a review of it on this episode okay. or maybe you'll read it and we'll or not this episode but the show yeah. maybe you'll we'll read it we'll talk about it i know or, it's one of the best i mean well, we, I have, we, we have the the uh, omnibus we, of it no we, so. have, we have the absolute i mean it's okay. one of the few yeah. series that I have actually got in the absolute. change to it. But, um, so I, I, I wanted to move on and actually talk about what is the best Superman title that on the stands right now, and it's Superman Family Adventures, which I'm reading. And it is, it's set outside the main DC continuity. It's mm-hmm. written for children, but it is so good. It's very, it's funny. It's referential to all their, all, like, like if you're familiar with Superman, for everything from the movies to the comics to everything that mm-hmm. it makes it references sounds really that. accessible to anybody oh it is it's, it's, it's definitely for kids but it's i look forward to reading that more than actually comics or superman it sounds like my hawkeye well although my hawkeye like the storylines are written for storylines like, are more it's not it doesn't have to be a mature audience i would say teens like this title is, is legitimately fine. written for probably like a yeah. seven-year-old you know i've never given Mar- marvel has a whole line of marvel adventures where they do comics for for kids, and I've never really read any of those, but they might be good. I might have to give those a shot. So, is there anything else you want to talk about for comic books there's, before yeah, we? Yeah, there's there's move one more on thing to... that I need to mention, and that's just the new Marvel Now, their whole initiative. It's similar to the New Fifty Two, where if you, it's if, it's, it's not a hard reboot though, is it? It's not a hard reboot in that any of the previous continuity is fair game. It still exists and Hence, can still be referenced. Not a hard reboot. <laughs> Essentially, I think it, it's it's a big attention grabber more than anything they've restarted all the titles to make them more accessible they're aligning some of them more with their film their films that are coming out and their tv shows so they're trying to be have their comics be more in alignment with all of their pop culture media which is fine but the the big advertisement for it is that they're changing around the writers of a lot of these these titles and so people who are writing x-men are now writing avengers people who are used to be writing avengers are writing x-men they've just switched everything all around and I wanted to mention it because it's huge for Marvel right now. It just started up in about October after the AVX series ended, and I haven't started reading it yet. So it is something that I intend to read. I'm going to be reading Uncanny uh, Avengers, which is a crossover. It's Avengers. It's some Avengers and some X-Men that have now formed a new Avengers mm-hmm. team. So I'm going to be reading that. That's up to issue four now. I'm just letting the first couple of arcs get under the belt well, before we'll, I really have to, read it. We'll have to go over how it is yep I'll do, i think i'm also reading all new x-men which is going to be interesting because they're bringing in x-men from the past who are mm-hmm. now somehow in the present so they're able to see like like they're the the past selves like the x-men you haven't from, even like, actually started that have you though no but it's getting phenomenal reviews it's doing yeah. quite well you have to you have to so talk i'll talk it. about those titles but I, I just wanted to let a few issues get underway before i started reading it because i don't think it's fair to really assess marvel now or the titles when there's only one or two issues out yeah so. and i think 
the format of the way that I think we'll talk about comics in the future is this time we were kind of giving an overview mm -hmm. of the comics we're reading, but I think next time we'll just get to dive into you know what's yeah. what's going on in that particular issue that month. That's the yep. way that the format's going to yeah, work. It'll be more we're of a gonna... review. We're not going to tell you what's going on in the series. Like we're not going to broadly tell you what's going on in the series. We'll we'll tell you about each. Well, yeah, that, that was what we're issue. doing here is kind of just talk about what we're reading. But then from now on, we're just going to yeah. dive in and talk about yeah. what was going on in that issue this month. What you know, yeah. sort of a review of that issue. Yep. I'm ridiculously behind on my comics right now, so I you'll, actually need a week or two to catch up so that I can up. talk about individual issues. You'll have to catch up. Yeah, the only one that I can really talk about right now is Hawkeye. So, I want to talk about video games before we wrap this one up. Okay. Specifically, I want to talk about what we're playing right now. We don't have to talk about it that much. And then talk about what I think is going to be a pretty big year in 2013. So right now, I'm catching up on finishing up Grand Theft Auto, The Ballad of Gay Tony, all this Grand Theft Auto 5. That's been out for quite a while. Oh yeah, that's been out since... I, I'm playing it on PS3. It was it was out on Xbox first. Xbox had an ex exclusivity for it. I'm playing it on PS3. All this Grand Theft Auto 5 talk has got me excited. And I had the disc for a while, and I played The Lost and the Damned, which is the first DLC that was... Mm -hmm. And I only thought that was okay. And so I started playing... Ballad of Gay Tony, but I had just finished Lost in the Damned about a year ago, and I kind of was like, I'm done with Grand Theft for a while, so I just put it away. And I, but now all this Grand Theft Auto Five talk got me excited, got me want want me to get back into playing it. So yeah. that's what I'm playing. I'm really looking forward to the new Grand Theft too. And then, and then we downloaded Journey. We need to play Journey. We have, yeah, neither one of us have played that. I I've put about 20 minutes in, and I can't really weigh in one way or the other about it because I haven't put in enough time. It's well, it, not fair of me to say much of anything because I, I haven't. I can't. It at I can't all. really make an opinion but on it yet. Everybody's saying how good it is really has me excited. And seeing you play it for a few minutes, I really think the art style is really good. It's very. Yeah. I think and, the, and the music is actually really, really good. That's too. what I, the I mean. Score I, I, is fantastic. I heard a few minutes of it when you were playing. Yeah. But um. I, I guess we should mention, we own a PS3, so pretty much all the gaming we're going to talk about is for the PS3. Right. And a lot of them are going to be, well, not a lot, I guess, but uh, PS3 exclusives. Uh, is, which I have to say, even though I, we don't have an Xbox, I have to say that, and we made the choice to get a PS3 because mm -hmm. it had the Blu-ray player in it, we bought it. Right after the... It just seemed like the more better all-around media station. Well, right after the format war between HD-DVD and Blu-ray, I was waiting to see how that was going to shake out before I got anything. Blu-ray went out, and then I just wanted to pretty much immediately buy a PS3. And so we got into... We had the PS3 for games and for Blu-rays. and But I have to say that the PS3 has more exclusives that I want to play. It has Uncharted. It has right. Infamous. It has God of War. God of War. It has Heavy Rain. I can't even Halo for exclusive for Xbox. I mean, I guess it's hard for me to say. Yeah, because we don't really follow Xbox as much. So I don't even know what Xbox exclusives I would want to know. Which, which I guess is it's not fair for me to say because we don't have an xbox but i know mm -hmm. so so the but everybody who's a gamer knows the names uncharted infamous yeah. heavy rain god, god of war. war yeah the only xbox that i can think of is halo for a while mass effect was but then mass effect 2 came to the yeah, ps3 and mass effect 1 is even on ps3 and now mass effect 3 was cross was released on the, yeah. on cross platform so you can get all right from the beginning now. so i think ps3 is the way to go so yep. journey is a I think Journey is a PS3 exclusive game. 
Yeah, because it's done by Santa Monica Studios. No, 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 no. It's done by the same team that did Fl- Santa Monica does the God of War. Yeah. It, the, I don't I, think so. When I turned on Journey yesterday. Are you sure? That's the logo that came up. Yeah. Because well, they did. That's know, the logo. Well, I, I didn't know that because I know this is the same team that did the game Flower. Mm-hmm. And the same team that did Flow before that. We never played yeah. Flow. We played Flower and we just weren't that into it. No. And it just. But we also we just played the demo. I don't think we played like the full game, so maybe it was different. But it was it was kind of boring because I didn't really understand the point of it. And we got really into Pac Man Championship Edition yeah. a couple of months ago. That was, that just was really fun. That was just really fun. And I think if I had the time, I'd like to platinum it. It's basically just there's, grinding through. There is no platinum. The, there's just a bunch of. Um, I guess get all the trophies. There's a, not yeah, it's, it. not all PlayStation Network games have platinums, and mm-hmm. this is one of them does, that doesn't. But it's a pretty easy to like. It's pretty easy to get most of the trophies. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like I only have a couple more. I just have to grind. Grind I, through it, yeah. I don't really like, you have to play everything. I don't really like grinding trophies, like where I just have to do it because the game wants me to. I mean, most of the trophies I did because I wanted to because I wanted to do them. This one is, you know, play all the time challenges on every maze. So it's like, it's essentially just forcing you to play all of the game. It's, yeah. it's, it's a 100%-est type trophy. I mean, that's really what it is. It's, it's, yeah. it's a doable trophy. You just have to... Get your money's worth for the what game. What else am I playing? Oh, I'm playing the God of War Origins collection. So yep. the which I intend to play that the, as well. The um the includes the PSP games. Yeah, the P- I was I was blanking from a PSP because yep. I was thinking Vita. No, the Vita is nope. what's out now. Yeah, the so it has the PSP games uh, released on the PS3 and up upres the HD graphics and. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to playing that. I haven't gotten to it yet. I think it was actually originally purchased as a gift for me. I just haven't gotten to it. I, I have a huge backlog. Actually, right now I'm I'm working on Ellie Noir, which has been out for quite a while. My first impression is that I really liked the game. Now that I'm trying to platinum it and I'm about two thirds of the way through, it's becoming quite repetitive. And I'm enjoying the storyline, but I'm not enjoying the repetitiveness of it because it's a lot of the go to a crime scene, find all the clues, and it interrogate the people figure out who did it and it's you do that over and over again i knew that that game wasn't for me i mean it's running on i believe the same engine that grand theft auto 4 oh, it, runs it's beautiful it looks the like a really good fantastic. game the motion capture when characters talk it's one of the best games i've seen i mean mm-hmm. it's i can actually tell which actors some of these people are like they're they're regular everyday exactly. actors from tv and i see them and go oh i saw, i also saw that person here yeah like it, it's that's been cool yeah other than there's only been a handful of games that i think have looked better i think uncharted's looked better i think the third yeah, god of uncharted's war looks better also newer. but ellie noir looks excellent but just it's you played exactly well not exactly but you played essentially like grand theft but Instead you have to of, be good in, you're a cop. In, in, instead of yeah, instead of grand theft, you're not confined to anything. You can drive as fast as you want as long as you don't get caught by the police or you can do whatever you want. You can while yeah. you're driving you can swerve over and hit a trash can in your game you gotta you gotta watch all the traffic well, lights and you can you can be bad if you want to, but don't plan to platinum it. That's the thing, is if you want to platinum it, you have to get the highest score in all the cases and doing damage to the city counts negatively against you. So because I'm trying to get the platinum in the game, I'm driving carefully and slowly, and that kind of takes away from the game a little bit, mm. which that's my own fault. But, yeah, I, I'm i just not interested in it. I'm not e- even watching you. I am I like a good crime drama. I like the noir style, so it fits right in with the things that I like. I mean, go figure. I also read Daredevil. It's gritty. It's crime. It's drama those are those are the types of things that i enjoy but it's but it's, i'm getting a little it's bored funny it. watching because now that i've gotten back into 
Grand Theft Battle Gay Tony, like I mentioned, and you're simultaneously playing L.A. Noir, it just makes me realize just how fun the Grand Theft games are and how much I watch you play in this, and you are just very <laughs> confined to actually being a good person, yeah. stopping at the lights. I couldn't imagine... I am looking forward to being a vigilante, that's I couldn't, for sure. I couldn't imagine playing Grand Theft and actually stopping at the lights and waiting for a red light, because that's what you do. <laughs> well, I turn on my siren and drive through them sometimes. Depends on if there's too much cross-traffic. It's like real life. But... So. It's it's enjoyable, but I'm getting tired of it. But I want that platinum, so I'm gonna keep grinding through it anyway. So what? Oh, speaking of that, you are approaching me on the trophies. I You're am. Getting it's, close. A, it's the epic trophy battle. You're at a level twelve. I'm I'm approaching level twelve. I'm at ninety two percent of a level eleven. So what else? Are I'm we... hoping to to get to level twelve quite soon. What else are we playing? We're playing. Well, I just finished playing The Walking Dead. Yeah, that's true. Which is episodic adventure type game. It's quite good. You almost cried at the end. The story's good. I came close. Yeah, I did. But I knew that there's the possibility of it because I knew some other people who had played it, and so I kind of got myself ready. Not to mention, it kind of you knew what was going to happen. I don't. It have... led up to it. There was no doubt after a while what was going to happen. It wasn't a surprise. The ending to me wasn't a surprise, so that could help me kind of prepare for it as well. I don't have too much of an interest to play this game either, but I can see myself getting to the game before I get to the Walking Dead comics. Easiest platinum ever. Exactly. <laughs> Just by playing it, you get the platinum. And it's, what, 10 hours? Because it's 5 hours in each 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 episode. It's, it's about is... two, 2 hours or so per episode. If you spend more time exploring, and you each episode, maybe so two and a half episodes. hours. So, I mean, it's a... It's a, it's. I mean, it's as long as an Uncharted or like a regular adventure game. Yeah, I would say it's between 10 and 12 hours long, depending game. on how much you explore. But it's good. I I enjoyed it a lot. But I, I also enjoy the Walking Dead world and it it ties in a little bit. It's the same universe. It has a couple of characters make a you could call it a cameo mm-hmm. from the the comic. I don't know about references to the TV show because I haven't watched it. Mm-hmm. But it's my understanding that it's well, the comic book world, not the TV exactly, show. Exactly. That's what I've heard so. too is the game is set in the comic world. Yeah. And there is another Walking Dead game coming out next year. That's actually set, not made by Telltale, and it's set in the in the TV world. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about yeah, that. Yeah, and I don't know if I'll play that one or not. We'll but, see. I don't want to get Walking Dead overloaded. Speaking but, of which, they if if you are a fan of the TV show, they announced that they're going to AMC is going to be playing. Um, I think season one, maybe even season two. I'm not sure exactly about the details in black and white. They've already yeah yeah I read that article and so I guess apparently they've already done season one. They've done that aired sometime earlier this year. Oh, I year. didn't know that. Okay. So season one of it was they re-aired it as black and white, and now they're going to do the same with season two. So I guess that's kind of cool because the comics done in black and white. So right. Yeah. The, cool. the covers are all in color, and then the the actual content's black and white. All right. So I think the last thing to talk about is our. It's the end of the year, so I think we'll mention our favorite game we played this year. It doesn't mean it's going to come out this year because we're playing older stuff. So, but the favorite game we played this year, and then the few games—not few, but the the number of games we're looking forward to—that are seem to be all coming out in the spring of next year. So, yeah. go. What was your favorite game of that you played this year? I don't know. That's hard because um, I've played. Well, I just finished Walking Dead. I'm playing L.A. Noir. What else did I play this year? Pac-Man, and I also played some of the old. Um, Prince of Persia games, actually. Mm-hmm. I went back and played some of them. I would say my favorite is kind of a toss-up between the newest Prince of Persia game, which I enjoyed quite a bit. I thought that was fun. And I played Uncharted 2, which I haven't even played Uncharted 3 yet, and I didn't beat Uncharted 2 
when our PS3 died, so I have to start from the beginning because I yeah. lost my save because we didn't have PlayStation Plus at the time. So, yeah, I would say it's a toss-up between Prince of Persia, The Forgotten Sands, and Uncharted 2. Both adventure games, they're both a, a lot of fun. I like platforming a lot, and I like being able to shoot. So from that angle, I would say probably Uncharted 2 has, has the nudge a little bit. But I do want to give a recognition to Zen Pinball, which is oh, the Zen phenomenal. Pinball 2, I, yeah, I love, well, even Zen Pinball 1. Zen Pinball 2 is just well, kind of like Zen Pinball 1, It was 1, Zen Pinball really. 2 that got us back into it. We hadn't played Zen Pinball in a while. Yeah. In a long time, but actually. Zen Pinball is just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, it's one of those games like Tony Hawk, like Pac-Man, where you can just jump in and play a play little bit. Play a couple bit. levels and then put it away. That's something yeah. else that I've just, I, I just downloaded the Tony Hawk HD collection. And as it was, I was a Tony Hawk fan for the first couple of games. I know there was a bunch after the first two games. And so when they announced an HD remake of various levels from the first couple of games, I was pretty excited. So I just downloaded that. I've been playing that. Mm -hmm. It's pretty fun. So if I, I were wasn't to say, expecting that, what's your favorite? I wasn't prepared. <laughs> if I were to say what my favorite game is, I would have to say Lego Batman Two. Mm -hmm. I platinum that game, but that game was. Really oh, that's fun. right. I played. I, I played Lego Pirates of the Caribbean. This it was year one too. of the f only Lego games that I've played in a while because because we always buy the Lego games. You like to play them. I love the Lego games. But I'm I, looking forward to Lord of the Rings. The, the gameplay is the same. It's just repetitive. It's the same gameplay, mm -hmm. just set, just different environments. And so it got old for me. The Pirates of the Caribbean. I played a little bit of it. Yeah. Got old. You didn't play any of the Harry Potter. No. I played them both of those. Too. And then when they announced a game, the sequel to Lego Batman. And it's it was going to include all like a bunch of other DC characters. Mm -hmm. I got really excited. And as and soon as they said you could play as Superman, the game was pretty much already bought. And at Superman, that point. you could actually. There's no doubt that you were getting it. And luckily, Superman got really good treatment. Like the other characters you play, you really don't play until the last couple of chapters of the game. Mm -hmm. Superman, you get and Superman gets involved in the storyline really early on. And I think it's like level three. Playing it's as not Superman, right away, but playing as Superman soon. is so fun. Just flying around. I remember when I first unlocked him, you just flying around as a Lego mm -hmm. character, Superman, and he has heat vision. That game is so fun. The story, there was really the storyline is really a nothing storyline. I mean, Lex Luthor and Joker team up, which we've seen that a million times before. Mm -hmm. But the gameplay was just really fun. It was the, I, I played a lot of God of War games this year because I went back and yeah, platinum. What was unique about that too is that it was an open world setting. In, in the city of Gotham. And oh, that's, yeah. That's different from any of the other ones. I mean, Harry Potter was semi-open world. You could explore parts of the castle, but it wasn't nearly the open world that Lego Batman 2 offered. No, no. So that game was the surprise game, because I thought it was going to be a fun game, but I didn't realize just how much mm -hmm. I was going to enjoy it. That and Lego Star Wars are the only two... Lego Star Wars doesn't actually have trophies, so I say those are the only two I haven't platinum. But really, that's the only yeah, Lego, Lego game that has trophies that I haven't platinum. Lego Star Wars. I might have to go back and just check that off the list, just to be complete. Although the the amount of hours you have to put in is pretty long because I, there's a lot of things it's to a, find in it's that. It's a long CD game. It's about a thirty. It takes about thirty hours to yeah. do everything. I mean, you can beat the game, and I don't know. Like I think it's going to take me like, about forty to platinum uh, La Noir. But but yeah, that so that I would say that's my game of the year. All right, so. Um, 
the games coming out next year. There's a number of games. Like, yeah, the, it's, everybody it's like says that the, the end the, of the platform. Everybody says put the, out your best stuff. Everybody says it's the end of the cycle. I don't feel like I'm ready. Well, I'm ready for another um, console if they want to give it to me. But I don't feel like I'm the, not ready for the price of a new console. I don't console feel like the PS3s outlived its its usefulness. There's still excellent games coming out. As so, long as games continue to fit on one disc. I'm happy as long as they're good quality and they fit on one desk. I don't want to have to do two discs switching out, which is what happened at the end of the PlayStation Two. Life I would cycle. swap out a disc, and here's why: I don't want it to get up. No, but the thing, the thing is, is I guess if it's a one swap, you get halfway through the game. Here's the thing: unlike okay. a movie, where a movie is a single, a single experience, you pop in a movie, with the exception of, like I think, Lord of the Rings on Blu-ray. You pop in the movie, you watch it, you're done. Mm-hmm. With video games, because you don't play them in one sitting, who? Ca- I mean. If I have to get up in the middle of a playthrough, that might be annoying. But if I just had to swap, if it got, if they, if it was, if the cut points were done well enough, or if I knew one was coming up, mm-hmm. that I'd finish one playthrough on on a disc, and then the next then time I go to play, the next, on a different disc. The next time yeah. I go to play, maybe, maybe a day later, I just put a different disc in because I'm gonna have to put in a disc anyways. Because chances are we will have watched a movie or put something in anyways. Yeah, I, when you when you discuss it that way, I can see it. As long as you're not swapping back and forth, you know, if, if it's continual content on one disc and then it stops, and it's continual content yeah. on the other, okay. So that's why I, don't I just really wonder care. how easily they can do that if it's like an open world type game. But we'll but see. Let's look at this. List. I'm, I'm looking at the list, and I mean, this is only the list of games we're interested in. What, what we're interested in is a short list compared to everything that's coming out. Three next out year. of the four games that I'm going to mention are PS3 exclusives. That's what I mean. Where PS3 mm-hmm. has the games that I want to play. The so we have Last of Us. Yep, oh, I'm so looking forward to Last of Us. Last of Us, Naughty May Dogs, seventh, I believe, is the. the uh, coming out date for that. I don't know any of the dates for these, so that, that was. So I guess I'll just go with whatever you say for any of these. I think they're. <laughs> I think they're all in the spring though. But we have The Last of Us, which is Naughty Dog, the developer behind. Mm-hmm. That's all another the post-apocalyptic storyline. So I don't think there's zombies in it though. I don't think there are. No, I, there's something in it. I'm there, sure. There's maybe some there kind are. Of foe, but I mean, maybe there are. But if there I is, don't know I don't what the know. Foe is, but it's post post-apocalyptic. I know that. And and they've already hooked me on the trailers though. So if there ends up being yeah. zombies, I'm going to play the game. And I believe Ellen Page is the voice of the girl. In no, it, no, 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 no. That's I the other game. Oh. So that is Beyond Two Souls. Oh, that's the one. Which is being done by Quantic Dream, the makers of Heavy Rain. And yeah, I'm really it, looking forward to that. I am really, really looking forward to now, that. Now, does that have motion control like Heavy Rain I'm did? not sure. I don't even know if the control scheme... I don't think it's been even been announced if the control scheme has the unique control scheme that Heavy Rain did mm-hmm. with... Heavy, Heavy Rain had a patch for the move controller, so you could use the move controller. But before that, it just had the pretty unique way that you played the game. using the gamepad. But I don't know if... I'm assuming it's going to have something pretty unique yeah. as well. But yeah, that has Ellen Page has, as the main character. And I don't even know much about it. It's enough to know that it's from the team that made Heavy Rain that gets me excited. And they showed a trailer at E3, and it's Ellen Page plays a girl, and she has a, a ghost companion, I believe. And then you can play as the ghosts as well. You can go back and forth. Mm-hmm. I don't really know much about the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by that. And then we have, obviously, God, um, God of War Ascension, yep. which is coming out in March. And I'm enjoying that... God of War. There's just been a lot of them. So well, I hope they offer us something new to spice well, it up, other than just a button masher. Well, they have the multiplayer. Yeah, I'm not intrigued by that, though. Neither one of us is really big. This is big. a single-player game to me. Neither one of us is really big multiplayer 
gamers, um, especially online, online multiplayer. Yeah, I mean the the online multiplayer stuff for Uncharted Three has been raved about. We played a little bit of it, got a couple of the initial trophies for it, but it's not my cup of tea. I got really into the online for Grand Theft Auto Four, so mm-hmm. I don't know how the. And you did some online stuff for Ghostbusters as well. Yeah, that was mostly just to get those couple of trophies out of the way. Yeah, which I hope you got them out of the way because you're never gonna. There's not gonna be enough people on anymore. I yeah. think you tried to find a match and couldn't. there's not very many people. There, I, yeah, I think the last time I turned on the game, there was nobody even on. Yeah, because that's a that's a game that I want to go back. I'm trying to get some more uh, trophies from it. Mm-hmm. But so we have God of War Ascension, which I think it's been announced that it's a prequel set even before God of War One. Yeah, that's what um, I heard as well. And then I don't know much about the story other than that. And I don't know when that one's coming. The multiplayer has been getting all the news. Um, there's a beta that PlayStation Plus members can be a part of. That's coming up pretty soon, I think. Sometime at the be towards the middle of January, I think. So I might check out the multiplayer beta. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I don't know. And then the big one, which I think is probably both of our most anticipated game that we mentioned, is Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah, and the news that's come out of that sounds great. It's three playable characters instead of just one. So that if the one character is doing something that you're not enjoying, driving around to drop off a package, for instance, you can swap out and be another character and do whatever it is, whatever task that they're assigned to at that particular time. Mm-hmm. So you can see each mission from a different perspective as you play. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a way to keep the game flow moving faster so you don't feel like you're constantly driving back and forth. I think that sounds interesting. And it sounds like the, the story arcs and the backgrounds of each of these three characters is unique and different. So that's intriguing. The other thing that I've heard is that not only is the map bigger and more detailed, but it's completely open from the get-go. Unlike God of War 4, where there are certain islands that you can go to. Unlike Grand Theft Auto 4, where there are parts of Liberty City that you couldn't get to until you progressed to Mm -hmm. certain parts of the game. It's my understanding that the whole map will be open. So that's cool, too. It looks like a really good game. And just knowing how Rockstar has progressed from the Grand Theft Auto 4 to the way L.A. Noir looked and the way that Red Dead Redemption, mm-hmm. but we haven't, we haven't a, played Red that's Dead, a game that but it's I'm, gotten great reviews as well. I'm, I think that's going to be a game that I want to get to in 2013 as well, mm-hmm. is uh, Red Dead Redemption. That bad catalog of games, it just keeps growing. It just keeps growing, but and like, I think 2013 is going to be a good year, and then there's all the talk about new consoles that are going to be mm-hmm. announced. I'm doubtful that we're going to see Orbis or whatever PlayStation 4 in 2013. Everybody seems to feel like it, it, yeah, both the Xbox, the new Xbox, and the, next, and the new PS3 is coming out next year. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it'll be 2014, but I actually don't care. The PlayStation mm-hmm. 3 is doing excellent. It's an yeah. excellent media center. And as long as we have this backlog of games, there's no need to go to a new console. Mm-hmm. And we'll just have a backlog of games on the new console. So I, I don't feel the need to switch to a new console mm-hmm. there's one more game that didn't make your list but it's on my list and that's tomb raider i'm intrigued yeah, by it i'm i'm mild i want to check it out once it comes out it's not on my yes for sure gonna buy list like these other games are but it's on my i'm intrigued enough about it that i want to check it out when it comes out i've heard from uh mostly from ign uh editors who have seen the game that it, it looks like it's gonna be really good really fun and it's a reboot of the previous tomb raiders so I'm intrigued. It's another action-adventure game. I bet it's going to be similar to Uncharted. Yeah. And probably a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That also comes out in March. I'm mildly intrigued. We'll see. We'll see. But I think that pretty much wraps us up for this episode. It's already gone pretty long. I think we're over two hours now. So thanks for any of you who have lasted this long. Thanks for geeking out with us. We are... 
I think the format is going to be this first episode was more just talking about generally the things that we're into, but I think from now on the episodes are going to be much more review based. Uh, Review based, discussion based on what's come out that week, what what we've been specifically playing mm-hmm. that week. Because listening to this ep- listening to this episode, you kind of get a sense of what we're into, what what we've been watching and playing and reading. So I think from now on, it'll be more, more review based. Who knows? I don't I I don't know if it's going to remain you know a two hour podcast or if it's going to be a little shorter since we're not talking about everything we're into. We're just talking about what we want to review or talk about that week. But we'll see. So thanks everyone. And we will see you. Actually, before we go, we're going to put these out every two weeks. So mm-hmm. we'll be on a bi weekly schedule. Yep. And if you have any questions, comments, uh, anything you want to talk about, you can email us at talkinggeek at gmail.com. There's no G at the end of talking. And we are on FeedBurner, and we're also going to be posting on iTunes. So look for us on iTunes. And our Twitter as well is talkinggeek, no G, on Twitter. All right, everyone. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.